Good morning and wake up 49ers. 49er wake up back on the air on a Friday, getting you ready for the Seattle Seahawks. Larry, look who is back. Just two weeks ago, we were dealing with the Seahawks. Then this Eagles game came about. Certainly, few people noticed that and what happened in it, and it's right back to Seattle. So nothing easy ever for the 49ers, but for the first time, I'm I'm thinking they're walking into an easier than usual situation against Seattle. There's only one path to victory, I think, for the Seahawks in this game, and it might be really hard for them to find. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, you know what? I, I see a desperate Seahawk team uh, that rolls in six and six. Kenneth Walker, I expect to play in this game. Um, I'm hoping, you know, that's a big spread. It's 49ers by 11. Um, but man, I think this is going to be a much more challenging game than other people think, because I just, I really think that the Seahawks view themselves as a playoff team. Uh, they're going hard. Uh, they're, you know, their, their pride's a little wounded from getting beat at home on Thanksgiving. 49ers are the better team, but the Niners are coming off of, you know, this is the ultimate letdown spot, right? I mean, they just had the biggest of big wins on the road, a game they've been aiming towards for a long time. Um, and I got to think that there was some celebrating that went on uh, <laughs> after the Niners got uh, got that victory. The vibe down in Santa Clara this week was not um, distracted or, hey, we've arrived. So it wasn't like there was a bad vibe or any kind of a different vibe. But I just think that it's really difficult to um, manhandle a team twice in three weeks, especially in your division, especially when they roll in desperate. I mean, a Seahawks loss here takes them to six and seven and probably on the outskirts of any kind of playoff uh, idea, unless they really roll at the end. So they're going to show up with whatever the best Seattle's got. They're bringing it on Sunday. I want to go back to a few articles I've read and a few videos that I've watched from our friend, David Lombardi and David Lombardi has been on the pass rush win rates trend in this matchup, maybe more than anyone else, Larry, and they are definitive and they are dominant. And if you're looking at when the Niners are at their best, they're controlling the line of scrimmage. And this is a game where I think they are going to control the line of scrimmage. Again, we saw a six sack performance against Gino on Thanksgiving, and it feels like the Niners are just getting better. And they're starting to really figure it out defensively. Call it the arrival of Chase Young, the uh, the the dissension from the press box down to the field of Steve Wilkes, um, descending, not dissension. You know what I mean? He dis- he's he's down on the ground now, and I, it's just it's coming together. It feels like instead of three separate units, the you know the front of the defense, the linebackers, and then the secondary, it's all working together in one harmonious defensive unit right now. And I just think that the Niners have an awful lot going for them. The Seahawks, on the other hand, again, banged up in the backfield. I mean, they, it, DJ Dallas could be looking at the majority of the carries in this game if Kenneth Walker isn't all the way back because Charbonnet hurt himself in the last game as well. The way that I've been handicapping this, and look, Larry, you know that of all the the content creators and broadcasters and and people that you work with, like I'm the least 49er about to win shit talking guy out there. Like I'm always respectful, especially of Pete Carroll and the Seahawks and a division opponent. But I kind of look at them and where they are in a three game losing streak and where the Niners are looking so good out of the bye. And what I see 
is unless DK Metcalf goes full on Randy Moss, like he almost did against the Dallas Cowboys. I just don't see how they do it, Larry. I really don't. Now Metcalf had what a, a, a three, three catch or no, no six catch 160 yard, three touchdown game against Dallas. He was unstoppable. The catch, the, the game that he had against the 49ers was a humble three catch 30 something yards. And Mooney Ward did a great job shutting him down. If Mooney Ward keeps DK Metcalf in check again on Sunday, I just don't see how the Seahawks get it done. Well, it's NFL. So there's only 10 possessions in the game and anything can happen in those 10 possessions. All it really takes is a funny bounce of the ball and a couple turnovers and you've got, you know, an upset. So it's not college. So there's, it just, there's a potential always in the NFL. That's why any team can win on any given Sunday. Cause it doesn't, your margin for error is not that great. Um, you know, I mean, it, 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 we'll see how this game goes. I mean, the 49ers have done an incredible job the last two weeks at rushing as one, as Nick Bosa likes to refer to it. And basically not rising is one at chase center. Oh my. Well, not giving Gino any rush lanes, not giving Jalen hurts any run lanes. Um, and you know, you saw it on the film this week. I mean, Bosa jumps inside Armstead pushes outside. Um, and they're really playing off of one another right now, and they're not giving the quarterback obvious run lanes. So, so we shall see. I mean, I, I, you know, um, if 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 Seattle can do a few more things than they did the first time around, then maybe this game's going to be different. I, I expect the 49ers to win the game. I just think that is the odds of it being closer are probably pretty good. Um, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, 31, 13 is what the score was on Thanksgiving. Niners had 23 first downs to only 14 for Seattle. Seattle only had 220 total yards in that game. They only had 88 yards rushing. So they had no run game the last time around. They totally took away the run game. They jumped them early. It was 24, three at the half. Charbonnet had three, four, a carry, but Seattle still ran as a team for over four yards of carry and they are going to get Kenneth Walker back and DK was totally held down. I mean, they targeted him nine times last time he got three catches. So yeah. he's probably going to be better than to you watch know. that Dallas game. I mean, he was, he was taking like five yard slant patterns yeah, and just going, Oh, do my, th- did you see what just happened? I, I, I stuck my thumb up again and that weird thumb thing happened. And now the, can you see me anymore? No, I see. Uh, you can hear I me see, now, right? I can hear you, but there's some. There's yeah, some. Uh, just I'm getting some some page. I think you. Do you have a page open or or uh, there you go? Hold on. I don't know what just happened there. I don't know, and, and also you must have two cameras. There is. There's. It's my. Uh... So maybe your first camera is out of juice or something. It's possible. It's plugged in. I don't know what happened there. Hold on. Let me work on this. This, uh, this, we're getting the, the lower camera, not the higher camera. Right. No, you're looking right at my nose and no one wants to do that. <laughs> Somebody says your capture card. That was your capture card. I don't yeah, know. I mean, <laughs> I do have, it's just, uh, Albert says Damon with a multi-camera setup. Yeah, I mean, I have multiple cameras too. You know, we have the, I have the 
Logitech. I've got right. the Sony. Here, here, let, let, got let, the, me, uh, let me log out and come back in, okay? All right. Come I'll on be right out. back. Come I'll on, be right, right back. Sir. Hold the show down for me. Luckily, you were a solo <laughs> show host for years, and you know exactly what to do. A yeah. well-trained broadcaster will now be taking over. Ladies and gentlemen, Lawrence Kruger. <laughs> well, welcome to 49er Wake Up. Um, no, but this I, I'm looking forward to this game because I'm looking forward to seeing what Seattle brings back um, you know, to, in, in this matchup, you know, on paper, when you looked at this matchup, it was like, Oh, wait a second. You get Seattle twice in three weeks. Ooh, that's going to be a challenge. Um, but now they roll in and they've got some key injuries and it's going to be interesting to see who plays in this game. Is Kenneth Walker, the third going to play the running back? If not, as Damon said, it could be Zach Charbonnet and DJ Dallas, uh, sharing the rock. And then on defense, Jordan Brooks is, you know, as good a linebacker as they have. I mean, Bobby Wagner's obviously still there, and Wagner's a future Hall of Famer. But Jordan Brooks is in his prime, and he's hurt. So um, what does that mean in this game? You know, the four, the one thing about the 49ers, I thought it was interesting this week. One, almost all the Niner players in the locker room are have gone about wearing their hat backwards. <laughs> I noticed that yesterday after being down there Wednesday and Thursday. We talked to Kittle. His hat was backwards. We talked to uh, McCaffrey. His hat was on backwards. Uh, maybe a show of solidarity for their quarterback who got ripped by Colin Cowherd for wearing his hat backwards because it was un- he was supposedly unprofessional. But, you know, this, this game I think is going to be a very challenging game for the 49ers. Now, the one thing the Niners have done the last two weeks is they've they've made sure that they've taken away the run lanes from the quarterback. So... You know, and and Nick Bosa made a great comment this week. He said, you know, I hope Dallas watches our film and takes our approach to defending Jalen Hurts, um, you know, into account. And um, and I was like, okay, uh, that's a great idea, because what the Niners did in this last game against Hurts and what they did the week before against Geno is that they like to play a lot of games, a lot of twists and stunts. But they want to make sure that the pocket just stays like this, like basically where they're just closing it down slowly. So give you an example against uh, Hertz last week. You saw Bosa from his end spot cut inside and it left this big lane on uh, where he was. And Eric Armstead, who was inside, saw this and bounced outside to make sure that they kept him hemmed in. And if you look at it, Jalen Hurts only had, you know, I think his longest run of the day was seven yards. So that is a unique way to defend him. And he's been, you know, they did, a the Niners did, I think, the best job I've seen anybody do at defending mobile quarterbacks. And if you look at the job, it really started the week before with Geno. Uh, they did a phenomenal job against Geno. But if you looked at at Hertz, I mean, Geno's not the runner that Hertz is, but Hertz only had seven carries for 20 yards. He averaged 2.9 a carry. His longest run was seven yards. So, you know, that's they need more of the same there because Geno breaking contain is really the concern here. Uh, DK had a spectacular game against Dallas. Damon was right. I mean, that one in the middle of the field where he just sprinted away from everybody. But the Niners have the anti-DK. In Mooney Ward, who just blankets DK. So, um, if all of this flips around, 
and suddenly you've got the 49ers, um, you know, suddenly, suddenly they're, they're struggling with DK instead of dominating DK, then who knows? Maybe, maybe Seattle can, can, you know, make this a game or if Kenneth Walker's addition, um, if suddenly they're running, I mean, they ran for 4.2, a carry against the Niners on uh, the last matchup, but Walker didn't play. If Walker plays and he has a good day, I mean, then maybe that's an equalizer. But um, my big concern in this game is just do the Niners come out with an edge? Do they come out sharp? You know, because the one thing about Seattle is they are desperate. And if you look at the playoff picture in the in the NFC, uh, they got to have this one. I mean, there's just no way around it. They've got Philly next week. So it's not just, you know, you're going to see the best of Seattle. Whatever Seattle's best is, you're going to see it. Because if the playoffs started today, they are six and six and probably on the outside looking in. But they got a shot. They got a real shot at a wild card spot. But if they lose this week to the Niners, next week to the Eagles and drop to six and eight, it's a wrap on the season. So, see, uh, you know, Seattle is not been very good, it, it, you know, against the Niners recently. Niners have had kind of ownage on Seattle. Seattle's only one and three in the division where the Niners are undefeated in the division. Niners are seven and one in the conference. Seattle's only five and four in the conference. So, you know, this is going to be a desperate, really on edge Seattle team. I would say expect everything, fake punts, onside kicks, anything at all that Pete Carroll can dial up so that he gets an extra possession or two. Look for that in this game. Oh, Damon's back now. There we go. There we are. Hold on. Wait, I got a little. Let, let me. Uh... Oh, and that's worse. Hold on. You do. <laughs> I got to do go. this manually. Hold on, Larry. There you go. There you go. Better? There you go. Better? Much now better. let's switch our boxes. Put me under the Damon and you under the Krug. Oh, we're back. We're back. <laughs> Sorry about that. So I broke down the entire game. No, uh, but, no, but basically I was just saying that, you know, the one thing that Bosa pointed out is that the Niners did a great job at, as, you know, against Geno and against Hertz as not, at not giving the quarterback any run lane to kind of get out and do damage. Oh, and to you, me, that's, that's the big one right there. You, you can't, if Gino, how do you lose? You lose when Gino gets out of breaks contain, and now DK uh, runs a second route. You know, he runs the route that he ran out of the huddle, and then he runs the the route that he runs uh, after Gino breaks contain, and then you've got big play potential. So there's, you know, you want to make sure, but the Niners feel really good. They're going to have Mooney Ward do in this game what Mooney Ward did in the last game, which is. DK's on the right side, Mooney's with him. DK's on the left side, Mooney's with him. DK's in the slot, Mooney's with him. The nice thing about DK is he only runs a partial tree. He only runs, I would say, four or five routes out of that tree for the most part. He doesn't run every single route. So Mooney loves going up against him. He's big. He's got long arms coming off a very good game against A.J. Brown. Uh, And bring it on. We'll see. We'll see what the Niners have. The Niners... um, can then we're going to find out the the level of focus, determination, professionalism, whatever you want to call it, because 49ers are in a letdown spot and Seattle's desperate and should roll in 
with tremendous kind of resolve and focus, can they handle a team who brings that kind of resolve, that kind of intensity, and that kind of focus with their season dangling? Can they put them away in what should be a letdown spot for the Niners? Pete That's Carroll. That's how I kind of frame this one. Yeah, no, look, Pete Carroll. So I'm uh, again, I've got a little bit more. It's it's funny as the year goes along, you're becoming a little bit more pessimistic, and I'm becoming more optimistic. It's we're <laughs> we're, we're switching spaces almost here. Uh, you beat me to what was going to be my woo. He's really thought about this illuminating talking point. You're lucky my camera shut down and I had some some uh some some, some tinkering to do here, Larry. But what you said about mobile quarterbacks. I think this is a problem that the 49ers offensive line or excuse me, defensive line is kind of solved a little bit, right? And they did it against Geno and then they really doubled down and they did it against Jalen Hurts. And I just think that those lessons from those games on how to play quarterback contain are going to really pay off for them again this week and next week against Kyler Murray when that becomes, you know, the problem du jour. Um, but I really just think that the more disciplined defensive line that just realized, hey, you know, less freelancing, the better off we are. If we just all stay in our rushing lanes, as you said, we're going to be really hard for these quarterbacks to get loose on. And I just think that the Eagles were the right opponent to set them back up for a rematch with the Seahawks. Again, a team that just does not match up well against the 49ers to begin with, but for DK Metcalf, and as you just said, Mooney Ward is like the antidote for a big physical receiver. Um, he just did it against A.J. Brown. He did it the first time around against DK, and now it's up to him to do it again. And if he does, again, I'm, I don't think it's Kenneth Walker the third making a game outcome difference in this game. Now, I've always said about Pete Carroll – he is there to play football. He is 100% going to go out on his shield. When it looked like a lay down and die situation on Thanksgiving, give the Seahawks credit for battling in that second half, and that's a testament to the culture of Pete Carroll. An onside kick, a fake punt, a fake field goal, the things that I always worry about when this team plays the Seahawks, I'd be doubly worried about this week because I really do think the Seahawks are going to have to steal something in order to win this game, a possession. They're going to need to win the turnover battle. The 49ers, if they play well, the 49ers, if they play well, Larry, there's just no chance. There's no chance that the Seahawks just with the same effort, come on out and, and, and beat the 49ers. I just don't think they're capable of doing it right now. No, I don't either. I I really don't either. And I, to me, it doesn't matter if they have Charbonnet or if they have Walker or if it's DJ Dallas. I I, I don't think Seattle has enough. Do the, the um, thing on top there, babe. Just yeah. So Jillian just stepped in here. She says you look a little fuzzy. So she's in here trying to focus this a little bit better. Oh, that's better. That's better. There you go. Now you, you've gone too a little far. bit to the left. A little bit. Yeah, to the a little right. bit more. When I say stop, stop, stop. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Ladies and gentlemen, Jillian Bruce, the IT department is coming here. The IT department has jumped in. Thank you uh, very much, honey. <laughs> well, I, you know, this to me, this this game is is really an interesting game because the 49ers have kind of started to establish ownage on Seattle. You know, the same ownage that Russell Wilson had on them. Brock Purdy kind of has on Seattle. If there's been one team that he's played a lot, it's the Seahawks, right? Um, he's played them quite often. 
Well, now he's for a sweep and second year in a row with a wild card playoff victory in there too. So that would be five straight if they do it again. And then you got to go back two years ago, three years ago. Did, would they split with the Seahawks? Uh, I think so. I mean, you know, Russell was like 18 and four or something like right. that against the Niners. And Gino has dropped four in a row, maybe five in a row now against, uh, against the Niners. So I, I mean, the one thing about Seattle is they're going to be motivated. They're going to come in and they're desperate. You know, that's what they've got. And um, the other thing that's, you know, I would say is Niner fans be on the lookout for Pete Carroll's gum. Did you see that whole story? Of oh, yeah. He's been throwing his gum into the stands. I mean, that's vile, dude. It's I mean, people, people talk about, you know, you know, how disgusting if somebody spits on you. How would you like to get get it, get Pete's, you know, gum, chewed up gum, hit you in the hair or hit I'd you in rather, the cheek? I'd rather it be the gum than the spit because the gum at least bounces off of you and falls to the ground where the spit's going to like stay on you. Now you got to wipe it off and it's just wet. And like, I'd, if you ask, what do I hit you with a, a piece of chewed gum or a loogie? I'll take the chewed gum 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. Unless it gets, unless it lands in your hair or something. Now you're, I got this gum in your hair, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, so Pete's been known to do that. And now people are calling him out on it. He's like, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Ditka did it once in the in the eighties. He threw his gum into the stands and hit some Niner fans. So be on the lookout if you're sitting behind the Seahawk bench and you get to, you know, Pete is a notorious gum chewer, and uh, he's been he's been cited uh, or <laughs> found hitting people with his gum. Uh, <laughs> Greg Khan says, if Carroll hit me with his gum, he'd hear from my lawyer. Oh, there would be a, there'd be an action lawsuit. There's no doubt. You, you'd, you'd, you'd have to go ahead and persecute their prosecute. But no, I mean, this look. is a potential trap game for the Niners. I mean, the Niners are going to roll in feeling great. I mean, realistically, when do you think the 49ers, you know, when did they stop celebrating the win? Probably at least 24 hours after the game, maybe 48 hours. Larry, I'm. I'm going to say that this team's so disciplined and has such bigger sights than just beating the Eagles. I mean, that was a big win, no doubt. It Huge. meant a lot, meant a lot. But I hope that they stop celebrating when that plane crossed the Mississippi River. I really mean that. Like, this is a, this is a team that has – I mean, how about this? If you go to the NFC title game and lose, this year's a failure. They know that. They feel that. I mean, they're, they're, they're after one prize this year. They're after the Super Bowl. That's why the draft game – that's why the trap game doesn't exist, really. When you got a major, major prize to hunt, like a Super Bowl, there shouldn't be any traps for you. And and they now, I think, should be even more motivated because of the situation that the Eagles find themselves in. A couple of weeks ago, the Eagles were assured to be the one seed. There's a very good chance they could be a five seed, Larry, if they lose to the Cowboys. And they haven't won in Dallas since 2017. And they trip up somewhere else and the Lions regress and the 49ers don't take their foot off the pedal. Not once the Niners could be the one seed when it's all said and done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what's on the line here. Yeah. That's why the Niners should be focused. It's just human nature. It's human nature to when you get up for a game, the the human nature portion is that you slide back a little bit. I don't think the Niners are going to bring their A game. I think the Niners are going to bring their B game at best. And we're going to find out, is the Niner B game enough to beat Seattle when Seattle's super, super determined? 
I mean, in the last game, game the Niners were plus one in turnovers. I want you to define what a Niner B game is. Does that mean it's mistake laden? Does that mean there's a turnover in there? Does that mean? Well, the Niners turned it over one time. I mean, what? what, Yeah, yeah, maybe a turnover. Maybe a turnover. Maybe, uh, maybe just a little, um, you know, lack of focus. Maybe some drops. I mean, I, you know, we've all seen teams that are absolutely on their game and teams and hopefully the hope is they come out early, put them away and you know, that's it. Um, and I think ultimately if the Niners and the Seahawks played 10 times, I think the Niners are so much better than the Seahawks at this point. Seven, they probably wins. win. They probably win eight or nine yeah. of 10, but um, they were plus the Niners were plus one in the turnover margin last time. They did hold the ball for 35 minutes. Um, they had that one bad quarter in the third. Otherwise, they dominated. Um, but, yeah, turnovers are the equalizer in the NFL. You, you turn the ball over, anything can happen. Um, so th- that to me is – and it's funny. I asked George Kittle yesterday because I noticed on the film that every time Kittle got in traffic in the Philly game, he went Larry Zonka, two hands around the ball, and he said, hey, I just didn't want to – I didn't want to let my team down with a turnover – um, in it when in, you know on the road in a, in a huge game, uh, they're going to need that level of attention to detail to you know focus on not turning it over. If the Niners are not plus, or the Niners are even on the turnovers or plus one, plus two, they're going to win easy. If they're minus one, they're going to win, but they'll be a little bit closer. If they're minus two, they could lose. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Any, any team turns the ball over twice, the chances of them losing increase dramatically. Yeah. And I hate to boil the ultra complicated, very involved game of football down to one thing, but I'm going to do it again, Larry. Cause I really do think you shut down DK Metcalf. They're not doing anything. They're not going to do anything against this team. I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to beat the Niners with a run game that is Kenneth Walker coming off an injury that has cost him the last two weeks. Charbonnet, again, might not even play. DJ Dallas is a name I'm not really worried about. I just think that the 49ers are going to overwhelm this team. And even if, even with a B game, like I think a 49er B game still can overwhelm the Seattle defense. Again, they just got cooked by Dallas. And I, I just think that Mooney Ward is playing some of the best football that he's played since he's become a 49er. Like he's had the best month of his career and it's coming out of the bye week. He's just been a different guy. He's not drawn those stupid penalties. He's not given up the backbreaker. And I just think that he's playing great. This team just got its own study course on how to contain a mobile quarterback. And they learned an awful lot of lessons. Like I thought that that Philly game was going to be closer than it was. And it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, but for the Niners having a a sputtering first quarter, that could have been a 50-point night in Philadelphia. It really could have been. And I just think the Niners are are absolutely cooking. And the Seahawks kind of are the right opponent to make sure that that mental letdown doesn't happen because they do respect the Niners. Again, this is the best rivalry on the West Coast. It really is. I know that when the Rams moved back to town, it was supposed to instantly go back to Northern California versus Southern California. It didn't. It didn't. The the 49ers own the Rams, but for you know the fourth quarter of the NFC title game down there, they've absolutely owned the Rams. I still think Niners Seahawks is the best rivalry that they have. 
And that is the antidote to them taking their eye off the ball along with everything that is riding on this year and has been for a handful of these guys. These, you know, coming up a little bit short might be okay for a, a young player or a rookie on this team, but for the older players, Debo, the stalwarts, Kittle, you know, Trent Williams now coming up short is no longer an option. They need a Super Bowl and they need one this year or next year. And I think everyone knows it. So, yeah. But I mean, I, here's the here's the thing. The, the Niners are looking at the whole, you know, the whole picture, which is the Super Bowl. So what does that mean? That's one of the reasons Eric Armstead is not playing this week. Eric Armstead is one of their best defensive linemen. He might be their best defensive lineman, all things equal. If you look at the the first Seattle game, the reason the Niners kicked Seattle around is that the Niner D line destroyed the the Seahawk O line. Is Geno hundred percent out? What's that? Armstead's hundred percent out. Yeah, he's, he's out. Been? He's not playing. Okay. He's not going to play this week, and he's probably not going to play next week. All right. So Gino Gino was sacked six times in that game two weeks ago, and Armstead I think had three hits on the quarterback and one of the sacks, and he is their best defensive lineman I think in all phases as far as against the run against the pass um he's really really good now obviously there's Bosa and Bosa is a defensive player of the year but Armstead is is so vitally important to what they do I mean he's just he's their best interior player against the run and he's a he's a very smart player he's the captain of the team and he's not playing he's got um, he's got a knee injury. He also has plantar fasciitis and they're going to sit him out. Now, if the playoffs were today, he would probably play. But the fact of the matter is it's not today. So they're going to try to get by this week and next week against two divisional opponents without Eric Armstead. Now, what does that mean? I'm not sure exactly what that means as far as what it's going to look like and without him. I mean, Hargrave is special. Um, Kinlaw, I talked to him yesterday. He's primed to play, and he's coming healthy. off a career game, right? I mean, coming off a great game, that game, and I like Kevin Davis Kevin. is going to is going to play a lot of reps as well. So I, that's what Wilkes told us yesterday. He said, "Get ready to see a lot of Kalia Davis, like uh, in, uh, over Kevin Givens." Well, no, given it'll be Givens, Kinlaw, and Davis sharing the Armstead spot, but. um you know, I mean, Eric is tremendous. I mean, he really is. He's their number one anchor inside against the run, and he gives them pass rush, and he's probably their smartest uh, defensive lineman. He's just a he's just a leader of the team, and it's a major loss to not have him. It is. And when if they don't have him and they won't, um, what does it look like? Do they still dominate Seattle up front? Do they still put consistent heat on Geno? Um, because that was the big determining factor last time. It was... You know, Ambry got a pick, and the Niners got 12 hits on Geno. Six of them were sacks. And, you know, I mean, it wasn't just all Eric, Eric Armstead. Givens had a half sack. Um, uh, Bosa had two. Tayshawn had one. Hargrave had one and a half. So some of these other guys are going to have to step up. I'm really excited to see some extended run from Kalia Davis just because he is so fast. He's a converted linebacker. Uh, he played linebacker at Central Florida, and now he's a defensive tackle so you've got Kalia and Givens and Kinlaw and the three of those guys are going to have to really step up this week well I know he's more of a DN too and I'm not talking about he's going to be taking snaps from Armstead but 
you know, a, a player that you and I both saw at camp and were impressed by Robert Beal Jr. is someone who has been cleared to play, but didn't dress last week. He was a scratch against Philadelphia. Maybe he suits up and gets a little run this week too, just based on, you know, the, the lack of depth on that defensive line. So um, maybe he shows up, but no, you're, you're right. Eric Armstead is a, a vital part of the 49ers being at full strength. The guy, you know, is more than a, a, a he more than occupies blocks. You know, he's, he's someone that you really got to deal with and worry about. Um, but I also think the Niners playing well without Eric Armstead is something that we've seen a lot of because Armstead's been, been hurt throughout his career. And I do think that the line has not taken massive steps backwards in his absence. And hopefully that, that proves itself again. I mean, I, I just think that this team is, is bigger than one man's effort. I mean, they really got something going defensively since this bye week came and went, it feels like a different unit. Almost. They're just, instead of playing individually, they're, they're playing together as one. And Steve Wilkes, who was, you know, very much, becoming persona non grata during the three game losing streak. I think Steve Wilkes deserves an awful lot of credit for keeping the unit together, making the tough choices, whether it be going further away from his chosen son of Isaiah Oliver and admitting Ambry Thomas is better in the slot. And, and I need to, to count on him more. It feels like, not not to mix our sports metaphors, but I think a lot of frustration with the Golden State Warriors is Steve Kerr isn't allowed. Steve Kerr's not making decisions based on what's actually happening. He's making decisions based on the way he wished things were happening in terms of some of these, the, these lineups that the Warriors have been running out. And I think it's almost the, the opposite of that for Steve Wilkes, where he might have come in with an idea, but then he realized that idea wasn't working. And so he's got to go to different players and make adjustments. And he's done it. He's done well, it. Yeah, I mean, I mean to me, the, there was three things. Three things. Ambry Thomas has probably changed this year more than any one player, right? Yeah, I mean, there's three. I think there's three elements. I mean, the Niners looked terrible against Cincinnati, right? They couldn't, you know, Cincinnati did anything they wanted. The Niners' defensive line got pushed around. Everybody was open. The coverage was loose. Right. Mixing had had major right on the ground. Major problems. Now, they it was partially fatigue, right? And then they went into the bye week. They got a little rested up. But they also did some other things. They took Oliver off the field. They put Ambry on the field. They took Steve from the booth. They put him on the sideline, and they added Chase Young. So if you're saying of those three moves, how would you rank them on the order of importance? I know lots of people have pointed to, well, Steve's on the sidelines. That's the big, big move. It's the least um, important. I would say it's the least important, too. I think the big one is Ambry. Ambry's a, a blue um prototype corner he's six feet he's 195 he's got long arms he runs very fast we're talking about four four flat and he was a third round draft choice for a reason um, because he's got big time speed and almost um he's almost the prototype as far as what you're looking for in a corner six feet 195 great recovery speed and he's tough as hell he really is tough and you've now put your three best corners on the field you took Oliver off, and in fact, this week, the Niners added Logan Ryan, the former Patriot, um, the former Buccaneer from last year. Logan Ryan's won a couple Super Bowls. I actually think that Logan Ryan is going to push Isaiah Oliver one more step back. 
I think you're going to see Logan Ryan and not Isaiah Oliver um, at times when they go to that, when they need that backup replacement defensive back. I think it's going to be Ryan, not Oliver. Uh, but yeah, Ambry Thomas has allowed them to put their best three corners on the field. To me, if you looked at that Philly game, there were times where Jalen Hurts had five seconds. There were times, I mean, the Kinlaw sack, he literally retreated and retreated and moved around and he had all day to throw. But, you know, as, as um, Wilk said yesterday, we went with plaster coverage and they basically just, you know, they, they were mirroring Lenore, Mooney, and, um, and Ambry were, were absolutely mirroring the, uh, the Eagles receivers all over the field. And so Kinlaw got a, got a coverage sack. So, I mean, the Niners, we haven't seen that re- recently. I mean, when they played, um, when they played Minnesota on the, on the Monday nighter and cousins carved them up on third down every single time he went to a receiver on third down, he was open the next week against Cincinnati, every single time that, that, uh, Joe Burrow dropped back to pass. He had somebody open. The coverage was night and day compared to what we saw uh, against Seattle two weeks ago and against Philly this week. If that same coverage can show up this week, Niners should win this game comfortably. I think you're right. I think you're right. And I just think that goes, uh, you know, you contain DK Metcalf. You make sure that, uh, you know, Lockett doesn't go bonkers on you. And I just, it just feels like a win over the Seahawks from a team that is absolutely focused and dialed in and playing some of their best football. And, you know, I, I know a lot of the, the reaction in Philadelphia is, oh, did the, did the, did the Eagles peak too early? I feel like the Niners are starting to peak here at the, at the right time. Was it, uh, Genghis Khan, by the way, is I've, I've been hearing this gum from his lawyer thing for about a half an hour. Let's, 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 let's I, I, I love Genghis Khan's comment there, but I don't think we need to involve we'll, we'll go from Genghis to Genghis. Genghis. I, I, More Genghis. The coverage consistency wins championships. We got a bunch of people here in the chat um, that are some, some interesting ones here. What, uh, where was the one I wanted to read there? One guy, he's, <laughs> we got this one. From Sergio Jaquez or Jaquez says, "Come on, guys, we need an evening show since KMBR took FP out." But 49ers, <laughs> good night. We have 49ers wake up, wake up, 49ers wake up, and 49ers night night. Yeah, there was another one here that said, "I'm here because Murph and Mac are not here." <laughs> here it is, Red Star Rising. I'm here because KMBR acts the Murph and Mac show. There, there you, you go. go. Well, welcome. Look, well, I'm going to tell you, Larry. I had an like a ridiculous week of growth uh, on my channel, and it's because of the KNBR video that I put out, and then another one that Kevin cut from us doing a 49ers wake up. That got another, I mean, a thousand people followed me based on that video alone. And there is a level of here's here's how bad these radio stations are at caring for their audience and maintaining an audience. They're pushing their audience towards us aggressively. <laughs> Great I'm, Tony Salvador reached out to me this week and yeah. had to say hi to you. And uh, uh, he said, I watched your guys breakdown of the radio market and you guys were spot on. And he, he said, hey, look, this, it ultimately comes down to there's not enough radio sales dollars out there to, uh, to you know, for the business. And we, we commented all about that last week about how, the business has changed. So if indeed you are here this morning because you uh, were driven away from the Murph and Mac show, welcome to 49er Wake Up. Gary, uh, uh, Damon and I have gone on 
Mondays you after Ravage. you almost called me Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I was to say, Dave and I have gone on after Niner football on Mondays, and then we grew this now to we're going Mondays and Fridays. So, hey, if you're if you're uh, at, if the Niners play on a Sunday and you're looking for Niner turnaround discussion the next morning, 8 a.m., we'll be here for you every post game Niners. Uh, we both go live on our channels, and then of course the next morning. We uh, we come together for 49er wake up and then we're going to give you an extra 49er wake up on Fridays leading into the game, uh, which is what we're doing right now. So we thank you and everybody for coming aboard. A couple supers we should get to Jeffrey races. I know MVP is a quarterback award, but big Trent Williams needs some love. He hasn't given up a sack since week 13 of last year. Yeah. Trent Williams is spectacular. Trent spectacular. Trent Williams is really good, but he's not having an MVP season. Let's let's come on. I, he's I, not going to win the MVP. No, he's not. He, uh, he won't even get a vote. <laughs> right. Ryan Cloyd says our gangster nerds are going to rock these birds. Uh, yeah, you know, so, somebody referred to the Niners as gangster nerds. Uh, but you know what? You know, call if Richard me, Sherman was still on the team. If Richard Sherman were still on the team, is he got that Stanford degree? But we do have a Stanford degree in in McCaffrey. You got a Yaley out there and use check. Um, after that, the Ivy League participation starts falling off dramatically. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't gangster nerds. Gangster nerds. I, I haven't heard that one until right now, but thank yeah, you very much nerds, for that. the super chat. <laughs> um, you know, I'll tell you one thing that's kind of fun to watch. I've and I've caught the last couple of weeks. Um, by the way, Michael Kennedy is that our good friend Michael Kennedy? He says, Would you rather go to a home game or a visitor's game? I'd rather go to a visitor's game. There's something there's something about going to a game on the road. I went to Niners Cowboys in '95 at Texas Stadium, and it was easily one of the greatest times ever. But I don't want to get into brawls or have people throw snowballs at me um, or anything crazy like that. But yeah, wearing your colors into the opponent's stadium and beating them and seeing their fans walk out. I mean, it's exhilarating. It absolutely is. And let's be totally honest. Levi stadium sucks. It's a terrible fan experience. (laughs) You're never, you never like Levi's. It's awful. It's, it's, it's an architectural flop. It's a game day experience flop. The only thing that the, that Levi stadium has going for it is the 49ers play there. That's it. That's all it's got. Yeah. Um, don't say that to Michael. Michael's one of the guys in charge of firing everybody up. Uh, no, no, no. So, so, so that can't be that Michael because that Michael came with an Iowa State helmet, and we all know that Michael Kennedy as is, is is a diehard Vol to the point where he would never have another team helmet in his avatar. It is it is volunteers or nothing with that guy. Uh, Nicotina, who's a big fan, says Sports Phone Six Eighty was never the same after Larry left and Damon left. Um, there you go. Um, we got Will Schoberg. Murph and Mac was whack. You know, here's now, now the, we're now we're doing some rapping. Hold on. Even if you didn't like Murph and Mac, and I'll be the first to admit that that show was never my cup of tea either, but you got to respect a run of 18 years. I mean, I might have had my problem. I mean, they're good guys, too. And they're I mean, great guys. They're great yeah. guys. They're great guys. They're super nice. And even if I didn't like them, I'd still respect the run. That's like with Gary Radnich. I didn't get along with Gary very well, but I respected Gary Radnich's run as the king of San Francisco media from a TV standpoint and then a radio standpoint. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes whether you like a guy or not is irrelevant to are they good at what they do or are they having success at what they do? 
Murph and Mac had a great amount of success at what they did for years upon years. They had the unquestionable number one morning show in San Francisco. Now the ratings have tapered off a bit lately. Um, and again, if you didn't like the goofy songs, you well, know, you I, were probably happy there's, there's, that, that Mac got his, but I, th there's, there's plenty there's of reasons for all these things, you know, and I tried to explain that when I sent a text to FP, there's reasons that their ratings have tanked and it's more about their, it was more about their, their poor leadership and their poor decision-making. Mm -hmm. Um, they made bad decisions with personnel. They also made really bad decisions with adjusting to the audience. My son's 14. I have another son who's 18. I have another son who's 22. Guess what? They don't listen to uh, terrestrial radio. I wish they did, but they don't. Um, we can sit there and chastise uh, the younger generation for not listening to the radio, or you can go where they're at and continue to cultivate an audience. And ultimately, that is the only solution. Um, and and unfortunately for that radio station, they didn't get it for a long period of time. They're on YouTube today, but they're Took years. Yeah, they're years behind the game. And uh, and they're actually behind 95.7 the game by in almost every day part. But then they're also years behind the game of cultivating new meet new listeners because they're not on. They're not on YouTube or they weren't on YouTube uh, fast enough. And, you know, they don't they're not spitting out there. It used to be you had one audience and you could just be there and you could be lazy and you could just do whatever you wanted. But guess what? Those days are over. There's now competition. There's competition on the dial uh, of competition that they're losing. And there's huge competition on social media. And the reality is, is that when you get into the car, your car doesn't pair to your phone. Your your phone pairs to your or your your phone doesn't pair to your car. Your car pairs to your phone. So this is the star of. By the way, it has my my gambling app. app what I'm what looking, app you got up there, big fella? Yeah, you're yeah. tracking some stocks, or you're looking for an over? <laughs> I'm looking. Yeah, it's, a, it's the Niners Seahawks on the Action app. The Action app. I'm looking at the of, Niners. Who's got the sp spread? It's a, it's Niners minus ten and a half. Is the um, is the odds on this game right now? So Niners minus ten, way, it's eleven I, in certain spots, and the over I mean, under is forty seven. Like without team, this is the here. This is the star, right? Yeah. So whatever you are listening to, your podcast, your the YouTube, whatever you get in the car, this pairs to your car. So you, automatically, so there's no even buttons to press. So the radio stations are literally on the same par with podcasters and YouTubers and. All, and, and the audience is the one that wins because you get a million choices now. You go satellite radio, terrestrial radio, podcast, YouTube. It's all there for you. And ultimately, it's just going to come down to who's got the best content. But you also have to keep pushing your content out to all of these different people in different spots. And um, if you don't do that and do it consistently, religiously, you lose your audience. And so... What happens is their median average of their audience just got older and older and older and aged out and aged out and aged out. And Tony Salvador is right. There's not enough ad dollars to support um, the kind of uh, money that they spend. And so they're going to be dialing it back. So it's not about FP. I no, mean, I would no. I, I didn't want to. The one thing I didn't when I reached out to Paulie and FP, the last thing I wanted to say to those guys is like, hey, you guys did something wrong. You did nothing wrong. Nothing. You did absolutely nothing wrong. It's just that. um 
you know, there's a lot of competition now and they're declining revenues and it's just the way it is. And and there'll be more cuts before, you know, be, you know, before you sit there and go, Oh, it's about these guys. It's not about those guys. It's about budgetary cuts and they're going to, there's going to be more, there's going to be more cuts coming. There'll be more people cut loose and I, it doesn't make me happy. It, it really doesn't. I'm, I'm a competitive person like anybody else, but um, doesn't make me happy to see guys that I know are great guys. Heck, Paulie and 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 uh, Brian came down to camp this summer. Uh, I, I was one of the most enjoyable days I had down there, uh, sitting there on the sideline chopping it up with two guys that I have great affinity for. Um, and there might not be, is my mind, a better baseball analyst in the market than like an FP Santangelo. So. These guys are really, really talented, and they can cultivate their audience in a different way, but um, it's probably not going to be in terrestrial radio, or if it is, it's going to be, you know, a stop before they go somewhere else because terrestrial radio is kind of in that shrinking mode because of the way the world is. So So you can get mad at it, or you can, you know, it's like Billy Bean in in Moneyball, adapt or die. So if if we were inventing something that goes hand in hand with, you know, KNBR specific problem, they are on the wrong end of, would you invent it today? If you could invent a way to communicate with an audience, would you invent radio? No, you wouldn't. Not today. It's in, it's, it's antiquated. You can't chat on the radio. You can't put video on the radio. You can't really interact with it beyond phone calls, which they don't take anymore. So it's an antiquated media form to begin with. The other thing that we also wouldn't invent today if we were inventing things to entertain a new generation would be the sport of baseball. Baseball is a little bit antiquated and they tried to, you know, zhuzh it up. And look, if if in the next hour they sign Shohei Otani, the Giants do, KNBR is going to have a great day from a rating standpoint. Everyone's going to be very, very excited about that. But then, oh man, that that 20 minute commercial thing and that wave of way too many commercials. Cause these hosts didn't stay on their clocks and, and He's now going you're to LA or Toronto, by the way, I know Well, so what's really funny. We're going to talk here. Yeah, about people like, Shohei could sign Shohei could sign. It's like, I've seen this movie. He goes to LA or Toronto. It feels that way. Um, but look, K and has a problem with the medium in itself, which, you know, it, you can't be anything other than a radio station. Actually, you can be, but they refuse to be. And then they just laid off most of their digital department, too. So they're just going in the wrong direction. Oh, by the way, time. Danny Emmerman, I just saw this on Twitter last night. He was writing for Cambr.com, just got uh-huh. a full-time gig writing for the Merck. Good so for him. Congratulations to Danny Emmerman, Good talented kid from the Northeast who came out here. I think he's from Connecticut or New York. Uh, he came out here. He was covering the Giants. He's working for Cambr. He gets laid off. Uh, he's landed on his feet at uh, San Jose Mercury News. So good for him. Good for him. Good uh, Nicotina says Larry's epic giant rant would never be allowed on KNBR. That's why YouTube is better home for Larry and Damon. And it was, yeah, there's an independent. Turn it, get it off. Turn him off. Get him off. That was my Larry Bear running up Second Street. It was, it was hysterical. Turn it off. Still one of the most viewed videos in the history of my site, Larry. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's, uh, it was hysterical, but it was accurate and it was real and it was raw. And you can't do that, you know, on the station that is in bed with the team from a business partnership standpoint. And that's the other thing that KNBR is getting wrong every day. Every single day, they position themselves as we are your giant station. 
Well, they're also the flagship of the 49ers. And the fact that you think of the 49ers as the other team on KNBR and not the team on KNBR is why it's just proof that they're not keeping up with the way society is going. If you are the flagship station of an NFL team and a Major League Baseball team, and you pump that Major League Baseball team harder than you do the NFL team, you are out of your fucking minds in 2023. And that's what they do. So the that, NFL well, audience is far and away the largest audience. Without if a you doubt. tune into uh, any sports radio show and they're talking about in NFL season and they have an NFL team and they're not talking NFL, they're probably not talking to as many people as they could. You know, that's how big the NFL is. The NFL is huge and everything else is secondary and baseball right. is way secondary. It is. Uh, so you that you know but I mean they're they're trying to balance it all out and we'll you know we'll see how it all goes, but but ultimately um that's the beauty of of uh twenty twenty three of being on December eighth of twenty twenty three. So you get in the car, you got options. You get in the house, you got options. Um, you know, how many people have a have a have a radio in their house? And literally very few. So it's become very much a car driven medium if you're on, you know, AM radio and then Heck, I got a buddy who's got a Porsche. He's like, dude, I, I drive a Porsche. Uh, my Porsche doesn't have an AM radio. I said, okay, there you go. There you go. The the thing too that you know is is just a reality of of where we live now and and who we are as a society. We want to watch things that are convenient for us. We fit things we consume into our day. We don't plan our day around the things that we consume anymore. So if you're, let's say, let's say you're a huge Larry Kruger fan and all you wanted to do today was listen to the Larry Kruger show. And the Larry Kruger show was on from two to six o'clock on a radio station. And that's the only time you could get Larry Kruger. Well, if you weren't in your car from two to six o'clock, you missed your show. Now, if you're a Larry Kruger fan, you start Larry Kruger's show whenever it's convenient for you and you watch as much of it until it's convenient for you and then you turn it off or you pause it or you come back to it. We live in a Netflix world. People don't even watch, like people will more than be happy watching a movie like over the course of three nights, they you know, 40 minutes a night or something like that. People, There used to be a printed TV guide, <laughs> right? It was printed. Right. That's, that's how much in advance those things came out. Oh, let um, me tell you, 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 you put the TV guide on the wrong end of the coffee table in my grandfather's house, you would you would hear about it. <laughs> if that well, TV you, guide wasn't right there, right on the edge of his captain's chair, you would hear about it. My late father, the great George Kruger, who I loved tremendously, it was such an eye-opener. He's the guy that got me fired up on the radio. He's the guy that used to pick me up from preschool and kindergarten and we'd listen to Lon Simmons call games and KMBR and Frank and Mike and all that stuff. He was Mr. Radio, loved the radio. He died a couple of years ago. Uh, but in his final year, um, I can remember, um, you know, calling my my parents' house in the, in the sunset and getting my mom on the phone. And um, I said to her, you know, I got to go, mom. We, we got the show starting in about a half hour and I got to get ready. And uh, I goes, dad, is dad uh, going to be listening? And she's like, oh, you know, he doesn't listen. I go, what do you mean he doesn't listen? She's like, oh, he only listens to the podcast. I said, what? I go, my own dad who only listened to AM radio forever is now a podcast. She's like, yeah, he likes to listen while he does his bills in his office. 
There you so, go. So whatever time my dad was doing his bills or whatever in his office, that's what time he was listening to our show. And if, if that was in the morning, then he was listening in the morning. If that was at night. He was listening at night. What you just said is so spot on. People are not about, uh, about, you know, the schedule of, of the audience of the shows. They're about their schedule and everything should be on demand. And right. that's my kind of the world show. we're in. Now is my dad in his eighties. Right. My favorite show doesn't come on at eight o'clock. My favorite show comes on when I want it on. That's right. the way when I sit down, do it these days. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we got a couple more supers here. We got uh, Bun Banob says when the 49ers clinch, call off the starters dogs. I think that's what you meant. Well, so if he's saying if they are the one seed assured and there's nothing left to play for, yeah, that's the first start Sam Darnold gets this year. Absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, look at the way it's going to come down. That's not going to, there's not going to be that. Be I mean, yeah, I mean, the Eagles have to lose one time and the 49ers have to run the table. So the only way the Niners will be resting anybody at any point, I think, you know, obviously you can make an argument they're resting Eric Armstead, but he's got an injury. The only way they're actually be resting guys at the very end of the year is if somehow, and it could happen, if the if the Eagles lost this week to Dallas and then followed it up by losing next week to Seattle, and the 49ers then had one loss, they could actually lose one more time and still get home field, then you might see some rest. But they all, the Niners have the Baltimore Ravens and the number one rushing attack in a pro football rolling in to Levi's on Sunday night, on uh, Christmas night, um, and on the 25th there, and we'll see. I mean, to me, that, that game is a coin flip. Lamar is incredible. The the Ravens run the heck out of it. They got the number one defense. Uh, you catch them at their place. They're almost unbeatable. This will not be at their place. And they're going to be, be uh, Larry, they're, they're, they're thinking we're a one seed, you know, so they got a lot to play for too. It's not like anyone is going to lay down their arms and fight, you know, not to the death. <laughs> you know, this right. is, And that's going to be a tough game to win. Yeah. So this idea that the Niners are going to be the one seed with the buy, I mean, they desperately want to be the one seed with the buy. But it's it's an uphill climb because, you know, what you're really asking for is and I've looked at uh, at, you know, uh, Philly's schedule. Philly plays Dallas this week, Seattle next week. Then it's two games against the New York football Giants and one game against the Arizona Cardinals. And they're just not going to lose those games. So it's really this week and next week to root hard against Philly and then hope that the Niners can run the table. And if they do run the table and Philly does lose one of the next two games, the Niners will be the one seed. And if the Niners uh, run the table except for losing to to uh, Baltimore, but somehow Philly loses the next two weeks, the Niners will still be the one seed. Larry, do, you see how, do, see, do you see how we're painting this? It's going to be very difficult to get late season rest. The uh, I had a guy reach out saying, look, I don't care what the circumstances are. I just cannot root for the Dallas Cowboys because I'm a Niner fan under any circumstances. And I just said, no, 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 no. You're doing it wrong. You are a Cowboys fan this Sunday if you're a Niners fan. That's just the way it goes. And then you immediately go back to hating them and mother effing them right, right as soon as the game's over. But you I was surprised that stat you threw out earlier where you said what Philly hasn't won in Dallas since, since 2017. 2017. Yeah. So that's 
you know, and Dallas is scoring a lot of points and Dak's playing really, really well. But I'll say this, and, and I know I speak for all Niner fans when I say this. I have zero fear of Dallas in a head-to-head with the Niners. I don't care if it's there. I don't care if it's here. I don't care if it's on the moon. The Niners match up well with the Cowboys. The Niners can run it on Dallas. Dallas can't stop the Niner run. The nine, the Dallas cannot run it on the Niners. Um, and that's really what the beginning of football and almost the beginning and the end. And whoever runs the ball and stops the run typically wins. And the Niners have been that team in the head-to-head against Dallas. And again, that's that's why I'm I'm really less worried about Seattle than I've been in uh, the last handful of games against Seattle because I just think the Niners got what they need to do down pat. The Seahawks have been scrambling. The best argument you could make for the Seahawks would be, well, they're desperate. Yeah, they are. They are desperate right now. But the Niners are desperate for much bigger plans and much bigger things. And I see that Elite Archer has actually just asked a question I think we need to get to. But let's keep going through these. Uh, well, we got one more before him. Cryptic says, how do you feel How do you feel schedules that have the same opponent two times in three weeks? Does it really matter or would you like the division games planned out better? I would like them scattered more. I think it's yeah. tough to turn around on someone. and 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 uh, It is hard. Yeah, I, I I think it's too much. I don't like it in the NBA when they have, you know, Oklahoma City was just in town playing the Warriors back-to-back games at Chase Center. I didn't like that. Um, I, I don't. That's I don't weird, like too, because the NBA doesn't have series right. in the regular season. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't. it makes it harder to, you know, it's like anything else. Do you want to have a doubleheader? Well, I do. I like doubleheaders as a fan, but um, they're hard to sweep. So, like in baseball, I'd rather almost not have a doubleheader because it's hard to sweep a doubleheader. Uh, and in football, it's hard to beat an opponent twice in two weeks. I will say this, though. If there was going to be one team, and I'm not sure if you already made this point, but if there's going to be one team that the 49ers would get coming off of the Eagles, I would like it to be Seattle. Just from the standpoint of the Niners have so many so many bad memories and bad you know head-to-head matchups against Seattle that they're never going to take Seattle lightly. Right. It gets your full attention. Yeah. And you know, Always, no matter what, this is why I actually think the Cowboys are the perfect, the perfect opponent for the Eagles coming off their most embarrassing loss of the year. Cowboys are going to have the Eagles full attention, whether the Niners beat them or not. That's a division opponent. That's a real rivalry. They don't like each other. And that's, it's very good to be able to move on with someone that's going to have your full attention. So I, I think the Eagles got a little bit of a, a break and they're also in a situation they could lose all at the same time. So, uh, you know, just and then for the last Eagles Cowboys game, I was at the plus mania there in the city and <laughs> I was, it didn't have my full attention because I was talking to people and I was drinking. Um, but that, that, you know, that was a close game. I mean, that was a close game yeah. and that was the game in Philly. Now, you move this thing to Dallas. Prescott's playing like an MVP. Dallas is starting to really cook. Um, and Philly, you know, Philly's issues are that, you know, I don't know if you heard uh, Steve Young. He's like, he kind of made them sound like they were a pretender this week. The one thing about Philadelphia, they missed Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in the worst way in the back end of that defense. He was that intimidator. Now you got guys like Blankenship back there. I mean, these guys, that's a far cry from C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Um, and they're dinged up, so their linebackers, well, I mean, that kid they, Morrow, just got roasted. They just added week. a linebacker. They just added, uh, what? But, um, Shaq Leonard, but Shaq, Shaq Leonard, Leonard's, yeah. 
you know, if anybody who's watched the Colts will tell you Shaq Leonard is a shadow of what yeah. he was a couple years ago. He's only 28 on paper. He looks plenty young enough, but he doesn't move. I mean, he's had injuries. He's diminished. He's not the same player that he was a couple years ago. Right. Good so, linebackers aren't available this time of year. No. And, and, and having great linebackers means a ton. I mean, look at the 49ers with Greenlaw and Warner, which is why, why Greenlaw getting thrown out because of his, you know, whatever with Big Dom, the security guard, was one of the worst, worst decisions I've seen in years. And, and shame on Sirianni for lying the other day, coming out and saying, I didn't want anybody to be ejected. We have, we have lip, we can have your, we read your lips, you know, 57's got to go. You, he was imploring the refs to throw Greenlaw out of that game. And then they had the audacity to hit the mic and say the exact opposite. It's like, dude, you lied. We, you know, we have video of you saying 57's got to go. We have video of you politicking multiple times on the sideline for Greenlaw to be ejected. I mean, think about that, but for a second, if the Niners had lost that game, Oh my God, oh. we'll be talking about that forever. Yeah. Instead, the Niners were very gracious. Shanahan was very gracious. Um, they had their best defensive player, in my opinion. I know other other people like Warner and Bosa and Armstead. In my opinion, Greenlaw is their best defensive player. I think he's phenomenal. Um, they had him thrown out of the game, thrown out of the game while he was the lead, thrown out of the game in the third quarter, and he's still the leading tackler. An interaction with a civilian, a guy in right. street clothes. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, a guy with an earpiece. And by the way, what security guard ever in the history of security doesn't wear a yellow jacket and face the stands? This guy wears an earpiece and stands one foot off the sideline. I, I, I'll say this. My reaction to that whole thing is let's get all non-essential personnel off the fucking sideline. Okay. I mean, I, I, let's not treat this like, hey, it's a perk. It shouldn't be a perk. There, I mean, you've been to camp. I've been to camp. When when there's a, a sweep to your side of the field, that shit happens fast. Pete, these are big, fast guys rolling up on you. It's not a safe situation to have people standing in front of other people who are standing in front of other people all pushed up on the sideline of an NFL game. It's not safe. It's not. It's not safe. Now, I'm. I feel like I can get out of the way. But I wouldn't feel as comfortable if I had people on both sides of me and people behind me. Larry, there's, there's nowhere to go there. Larry, and you couldn't take get all non-essential yeah. out. You couldn't get me on a football field during a game on the sidelines. Even if you said, would you like to be there? I wouldn't because you know what? Since El Stroco Loco, Damon, your, your agility is not the same. Didn't move very fast to begin with. But since El Stroco Loco, I mean, I'm telling you, you don't want to be behind me during a fire drill. We'll all get burnt together. Yeah, I move slow. So I would never, ever want to be around that that herd of rhinoceros as it's coming at you to steamroll you. Um, oh, good. You got a lead archer up here because this is something that I do want to talk about because there is a serious misunderstanding with how fans think football works so let's read the question larry uh lead archer 23 says let's please talk about it kyle blows a late lead in the playoffs again then where does he stand in jed york's kitchen having dinner and cocktails that's where he stands kyle is not a game away from losing his job no. i don't care what that game is I don't care how he loses in embarrassing fashion in whatever big game you think he just lost in embarrassing fashion. I don't care how embarrassing it goes. Kyle isn't in trouble. 
nor would a singular result ever place him in trouble. He could blow a five-touchdown lead in the Super Bowl, and he's your head coach week one following year. That's who he is. I mean, let's just – can we please stop the idiocy of this narrative of this guy's on the hot seat. He's never been on the hot seat. He's not going to be on the hot seat. If they fired him tomorrow, there would be like four other firings in the college and pro game from – universities and NFL teams that are like, Hey, we'll take this guy. Um, come on. He ain't going anywhere. Everybody knows it, but I mean, and where would he be? Where does he stand? He stands right where he's at right now as a, as a very good coach who hasn't climbed to the top of the mountaintop. I mean, you could be, I mean, how did you feel when Andy Reed, uh, you know, got done in Philly? Did you feel like, Oh, you know what? Andy Reed can't coach or Hey, he's a great offensive coach. It just didn't happen in Philly. I mean, I think right now, Kyle Shanahan today is where Andy Reid was before he hooked up with Mahomes in Kansas City and won a couple rings. Look, I gotta, I would, I would have to go back through my research, which I keep. This is weeks ago, and I think this number is. It might not be a hundred percent accurate, but it's in the ballpark. We talk about winning the Super Bowl as if it's some easy thing to do, and you got to do that. And if you don't do that, you. I believe there are eighteen living humans on the planet right now who have won a Super Bowl as a head coach. 18 humans. You know, that's it. That's it. That there are there are these aren't easy to win. These are not it's not a large group of people who win Super Bowls. Therefore, Kyle must be among them and instantly. It just it doesn't happen like that. There's a reason they have elaborate multi-million dollar parades in cities that have budget shortfalls right that there because it doesn't happen very much heck i've ridden i've ridden in two giants parades down market street there's two of the greatest sports memories i've ever had um but that's because i've got it in perspective it doesn't happen very much it just doesn't so you just got to remember that you know, um, only if you're going to be in this mode where it's Super Bowl or bust and, and, you know, I think there's, it's okay to be real. I mean, the 49ers are in this mode. I mean, it's not, it's not like they're going to, there will be no celebrating if the 49ers go to Vegas and lose the Super Bowl. Now, Shanahan's not on the hot seat, but there'll be no celebrating. Jed is about the sixth ring. Kyle's about the sixth ring. Lynch is about the sixth ring. Every single one of those players is about getting that sixth ring. The Niners know they're good. They know they're one of the loaded teams in football. They're not going to be happy with, hey, man, we made it to the NFC Championship game. Or, hey, man, we made it to the Super Bowl, but we lost. They're after the ultimate prize. And there's going to be a lot of unrest and a lot of hand-wringing and a lot of assessing you know, what happened if they fall short. But you also have to keep it in perspective somewhat. Every team in the NFL, except for one, if that is your standard, will have an unsuccessful year this year. There are some teams, look, there are some teams that are right in the middle of a championship window, and that's where the Niners are. You know, the Chiefs, let's be totally honest, the Kansas City Chiefs, they're looking at the end of their championship window. That's what they want. One more right now, they're very desperate for it. Um, because it's coming to a close. These, these, you, I don't know if I believe that actually, but they are paying a ton for their quarterback. Right. I, I, Mahomes is how old? Twenty nine. 
He's very young still. Yes. Yeah. He he's he, you know he's got he might even be younger than that. Um, I would say they've got a five year window depending on how long Reed wants to coach. Reed himself is older, but when you look at the Niners, right? There's got Shanahan, Young, Lynch, Young, Purdy's Young. He's twenty eight. Yeah. So I would say I would say Mahomes is and and some of these guys played as Brady did till forty five. I would say Kansas City's got a, easily they're going to be one of the Super Bowl contenders every year for the next five years. I mean, you would least. think you would think, but again, contender or straight up like overlord favorite. There's a difference there. Well, that's the beauty know. of it. I mean, like Seattle won a Super Bowl with Russell, but he was on the rookie deal. The Niners have what? How many years left of of Brock's rookie deal? Two more. Yep. So they're go time right now. I mean, there it is right now. The Niners have $25 million that they can spread around their roster and spend it on Chase Young and D-linemen and O-linemen and receivers. They've got that money to spread around because Brock's making eight hundred and forty grand. So I would say that there's going to be a huge adjustment when suddenly you're paying Brock $25 million. So I, I would say not that the Niners can't win then. They can, but they're going to have to be really on their game and they have to be spending well. Yeah, you do it differently. And that's when you need the, oh, you got George Kittle in the sixth round. How lucky. You know, that's that's when you need that late pick to really turn into a player because you are paying premiums in places you used to get bargains. And Brock Purdy is the single biggest representation of that. Again, another thing that I think should be factored into MVP consideration. I mean, if we're really breaking down what the word value is, I don't think there's a player in sports adding more value to a team than Brock Purdy does at the price point on which he plays for the team. I mean, he might be... By the way, the yeah. NFL put out a TikTok this morning of my question to Brock last week uh, when I said to him, the Eagles consider you the weak link. And they, it's really good. Go, you should go. If, I don't know if you're on TikTok. I know, but, I'm not on. That's that's the 2024 plan for the Plus. We're not there yet. Well, but I mean, are you are you a lurker? Have you no? Do you have access to TikTok? No, I don't have TikTok. Um, I'll I'll send it to you. But it's like you know, I saw in, in the power of the NFL. It's got like 57 thousand views in like eight minutes. Um, but anyway, it it's it's um, you know, that's the, the the 49ers are in this mode now with Purdy where. Um, you know, they can, they've got a great opportunity to, to win with him, but he right now is playing at a very high level. He's leading the NFL in yards per attempt, and he's leading the NFL in completion percentage and like 19 other quarterback categories. So he's playing at an exceptionally high level. Um, and nobody wants to really recognize it. People want to kind of be like, call it a one-off and say that, you know, maybe this is the year the MVP goes to a running back or a defensive player or wide receiver. I've seen people make arguments for Miles Garrett and A.J. Brown, CMC. Uh, the reality is it, it, it's been a quarterback award. Um, and then people will say, well, yeah, but he he dumps it off. Um, and if you look at the numbers, that's just not really the case. I mean, he has a lower percentage of yards after the catch, um, you know, as far as his total yards thrown for this year, he's got a lower percentage of yards after the catch than Mahomes did during his MVP year. Larry and Aaron Rodgers did during his two MVP years. So it's just, it's just, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that are kind of, they have Brock in kind of a different category. Like he is a product of Shanahan 
and this system, and nothing could be further from the truth. Well, I mean, no, let's I mean, be honest I about think this. It's part of his truth. It's a part. Of, I mean, we need to acknowledge. But, not, but but this also has to be known that non Brock Purdy quarterbacks, other than Jimmy Garoppolo, when Purdy stepped in Week 13 against Miami last year, all quarterbacks not named Jimmy Garoppolo under Kyle Shanahan, nine and twenty-nine. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's some of the numbers are overwhelming, but again, I let's acknowledge that situations dictate careers as much as talent does, and the young man's in a wonderful situation. Putting that on the table, no there's no one else who I think could be as wonderful in this situation, just based on Purdy is wired to be this humble yes coach. I'm not going to let my own talent kind of dictate what I think I'm going to do. I'm going to stay within the constraints of what you're asking me to do, coach. And that is why we will all have success together to buoy some of what you just said. Um, if your argument was that Purdy pads his stats with yak yards, you're incorrect about that. 48.5% of Purdy's passing yards this season have come after the catch. Patrick Mahomes last year was at 54%. So Mahomes had a greater distance traveled on legs to his passes than what Purdy even has. So if that's your argument against him, you didn't make that against Patrick Mahomes. Again, if Purdy's numbers were attached to a quarterback people anointed as super cool, they would be, the argument would be this needs to be a unanimous MVP. If Mahomes had these numbers, it would be a unanimous argument. If it were Aaron Rodgers, if it were Josh Allen, if it were uh, Lamar, if it were uh, Herbert, if it were uh, Tua, if it had been a super cool young quarterback that everybody liked in the first place, not a interloper who came out of nowhere that no one saw coming, so no one wants to give him the credit. Brock Purdy leads all quarterbacks in the following statistics. Passer rating, yards per attempt, yards per pass completed, adjusted yards per attempt, net yards per attempt, adjusted net yards per attempt, completion percentage, touchdown percentage, QBR, passer success rating, expected points added per drop back, total EPA. The only two categories which he does not lead are in passing yards, which is C.J. Stroud in his rookie year, very impressive, and in touchdowns, Dak Prescott right now leads the NFL in touchdown passes, and we have determined the same way we determined that average and RBIs aren't exactly t the whole telling story stats in baseball. So we've made up all these other statistics deeming yards and touchdowns don't tell the whole story. So now when you go into the yard to the stats that tell the whole story, the story is Brock Purdy, 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 Brock Purdy. That's that's the story. It's so, been an incredible and it, I mean, yeah. So when does he get his? I love of all the sound bites, the one I loved was from Richard Sherman, who was like, "This is a second year quarterback, and you know what? Give him what he, you know, he give him his flowers. And if you don't want to give him his flowers, he's like Brock Purdy just needs to go win a Super Bowl and take it. And 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 here's the bottom line: is a lot of people looked at him and said, "Well," and this was when they they were there. Were a lot of people pushing for Trey Lance at the time, and they just assumed that Brock, because he was a little bit more diminutive. Uh, didn't have much of an arm, didn't throw the ball down the field. Suddenly it was, it became a referendum on arm strength and what he does down the field instead of just winning and, and, and having success. But now here's Purdy in first week in December leading the NFL in yards per attempt and completion percentage. So the dink and dunk argument is just out the window. And of the 10 quarterbacks who have thrown at least 20 touchdowns, Purdy has the second fewest picks leads the NFL in passer rating, as you mentioned, and is tied for the most passes of 40-plus yards. 
He's the betting favorite to win the MVP as of this morning. He's jumped Hertz. He's jumped Prescott. And it's an amazing thing. This is an this truly is almost like a, a, a Disney hard to believe kind of a kind of a script. This it's guy, no- the, the guy went from Mr. Irrelevant to this guy can't be the starter to why isn't he in the MVP? Why, you know, conversation. It's the greatest um, story in the NFL since Kurt Warner, bar none. It's incredible. It's an incredible story. Um, and as far as the yards after the catch, here's the numbers on that. Um, he's not the only quarterback to benefit from yards after the catch. On the season, 48.5% of Purdy's passing yards have happened after the catch. Um, and Mike Sando, who's a good friend, he writes for The Athletic, um, had it in his article that that's right on par with the past 10 MVP quarterbacks. The league yeah. average is 47%. And Patrick Mahomes was at 54% last year. Yep. Nobody was saying, hey, you know, Mahomes is a product of, uh, you know, yards after the catch. They're just like, Mahomes is a bad MFer. But Purdy does it, and it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, right. I'm not really sure. Yeah. And what then also third actually, down. I mean, what is, this? Is, it, is it Patrick Mahomes' physical attributes that make everyone ignore the fact that he was in an incredible system? You know, Andy Reid and that and that two steps ahead of everybody offense that they're running in Kansas City. And name any quarterback in any era. They're all in great systems. I mean, yep. Kurt Warner had had Torrey Holt and Oz Akeem and Isaac Bruce. I mean, these guys are Hall of Fame right. type the receivers. Only thing, the only guy who really was like, wow, he made everybody better all the time. Brady. You know, he had a year of, of, of Randy Moss and they set records together. But really, Brady did. He was. He did have. He did have Gronk. And Edelman, who was a Super Bowl MVP, yep. and at one point Randy Moss and Aaron yeah, Hernandez, he, he also made Dion Branch. You know, Dion Branch, I think, had a phenomenal Super Bowl. Uh, but I mean, if, to me, it's like when you're watching Purdy right now on third down. That's what I mean. Just in this last game against Philly, these are the third downs: third and three, three yard pass to Kittle for a first; third and one, thirteen yard pass to Debo for a first; third and goal from the two. Two-yard pass to Ayuk for a touchdown. Third and five, 18-yard pass to, to J.J. for a first. Third and three, 33-yard pass to McCaffrey for a first. Third and seven, Eagles had just scored. They made it 21-13, 10-yard pass to Ayuk for a first. Third and nine, eight-yard pass to Jennings, and then McCaffrey would convert on the fourth and one on the next play. And then third and five, Purdy, 18-yard touchdown pass to Jennings. I mean, the guy had two drives where the Niners didn't look good. They went three and out or whatever, and then converted seven of the next eight third downs, and he did it on the road in the most hostile of territories against the best team in the NFC outside of the Niners. And, I mean, if that doesn't make you believe, then you're just never going to believe. Uh, and that's fine. Uh, but, I mean, this this guy is is really, really special. And his teammates... I mean, I think it's time for us to say it. Brock Purdy's great. Brock Purdy's great. We it's not about his Mr. Relevant. It's not about anything else. Brock Purdy's great. Well, and and He's look the at best nine quarterbacks and Steve Young. Look, look at how good he is this early into his career. That's what makes it totally absurd. That's what suggests that the designation of greatness isn't unfounded or misplaced. To be this good, this efficient, this in control, this mistake-free. So early in a career, I mean, when you go and start comparing his numbers of this season to other quarterbacks and their seasons of MVP qualifications, they're all into their careers. 
they're, they're, they've all played several seasons and had become fully grown NFL veterans by the time that they were producing like this. Brock Purdy has taken this league by storm in a manner of which only Patrick Mahomes has. You know, I mean, seriously, when you think well, about and, and, it. Totally. And if you said, you know, it's a young quarterback, what do you do? Just dial up the blitz. He won't be able to handle it. He won't be able to to uh, you know react to it. You'll we all we got to do is we got to speed him up. Right. You can't you can't do that. It doesn't Curry work. Blitzes for breakfast. Yeah, seriously, they blitzed him ten times. He was ten for ten for two hundred and thirteen yards and three touchdowns and a perfect perfect passer rating of one fifty eight point three. So good? you can't yeah you can't blitz him. So I mean. How many 23-year-old quarterbacks can you honestly sit there and go, well, we can't blitz him? I mean, if you blitz him, you're giving him defined reads, and he's carving you up like a like a, like a a Halloween pumpkin. Right. So, who, was, who was the quarterback? It was a, maybe it was uh, it was Zach Wilson or someone. It was, it was I, I can't remember. Maybe he was wearing a Jets uniform. I don't know, but they were playing the Patriots, and they cut away, and the NFL, like, network microphones picked up them saying like i'm seeing ghosts out there. sam darnold oh that's right it was sam darnold it was sam darnold out there and it's it, it purdy does not see these ghosts um how do you confuse a young quarterback larry just brought it down you blitz him and then you just run scheme diversity at him where he's looking at a different defense every single time he's looking up on third right. down well purdy is number one in the league against any and all defenses whatever you want to say is out there cover two man-to-man zone half zone half man whatever shell whatever whatever the nom de plume of du jour of defense is three four four three five two seven three whatever 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 it is whatever it is whatever greg papa is going to say 55 times on his show today to sound like he's <laughs> in the meeting room um Staggered screens. Purdy beats uh, it. Yeah, the floppy set. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's coming off that too, Larry. I mean, he is he he beats any and all defenses he sees. He beats passive defenses in a zone. He beats aggressive blitzing defenses. It's it's pretty phenomenal, and it's kind of unprecedented this early in a career. This this player would be so efficient. He's just a, he's an incredible player. I'm, I'm going to share the screen. I'm going to show you this question I asked him yesterday and just look, I mean, this is kind of where this guy is. I mean, he's in a real comfort zone. Listen to this answer. I basically was just asking him about the fact that Wednesdays and Thursdays are the install days. And I just was asking him, is, that, is this the first time can you, you see the, the, can you get the, the quote up or the, the Bazzi man? Sorry. Thank you very much for the, for interacting with us, but take the, take. Okay. Like the, if there's if there's one thing Larry Kruger needs to improve upon as he is hosting the control room of 49ers Wake Up, it is the addition <laughs> and subtraction of chats. There we here go. We here we go. We'll get to that Bazzy me on because it was a good one. Uh, here's Brock from yesterday in, down in Santa Clara. Brock, the uh, Wednesday and Thursday is when you guys typically install. Is that a surprise to you as far as the game plan? Are you seeing it for the first time or does Kyle consult with you on Monday and Tuesday about some of the things that maybe you want in the game plan that week or is Wednesday your first day? No, yeah. Wednesday's usually my first day. You know, I'll go in and talk to them on the off days and just sort of get an idea of like what we're thinking. Um, but then the first time I see the plays is on Wednesday and uh, you know, it's because they're doing all their studying and prep. Uh, they want everything to be perfect for when we see it for the first time, you know? So, um, you know, do I like it? Yeah. I mean, I, I trust in them. I'd like them to prepare like as coaches and, and give us the best game plan as possible, you know? So 
um but it's worked you know since i've been here so and yeah. that Kyle wants he wants a yes chef quarterback yes chef whatever you need chef right away chef how do you want those dice do you want them julianne do you want them quartered you want them what, what do you need yes chef and that's why purdy is perfect for shanahan it's why the relationship is so healthy um and this guy's also about the team, the team, the team, the team. I'm going to sh show you the other question. This is the other one I asked him from yesterday. And this is also another, you know, I asked him about how good it felt. You know, you saw that footage of him running off the field in Philly and all the Niner fans chanting Purdy. And they're literally chanting Purdy, Purdy, Purdy. And he's like, let's go, let's go. And he runs off the field. I asked him about it yesterday. Look how he deflects. How cool does it feel to, to run off the field in Philly last week, having the, all those Niner fans there chanting your name? That, that had to be kind of a cool moment for you. Yeah, I mean, just the support that you get, you know, from the faithful and when we go on the road games, even if it's East Coast, they show up um, and they're there, man, um, all the way through. And so to be able to pull out a, a, a great win like that and then run off the field and have them still be there supporting all of our guys running out was, uh, was special for all of us. I mean, just like, you know, it's a, it's literally the, it's they're chanting Purdy, Purdy, Purdy. And he's just like, you know what? Hey, just scroll down the faithful for all of us, you know, team guy, team guy to the bitter end. So, yeah, I mean, the players love him. Uh, Coward went at him for wearing his hat backwards, which was made Coward sound like 150 years old. Um, and then I noticed that yesterday in the locker room, Kittle's doing interviews. Oh, hold on a second, guys. Puts, takes a hat out, puts it on backwards. McCaffrey's sitting there. He's got no hat on. He goes to talk to us, puts a hat on, flips it backwards. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody else caught that, but it was like a show of solidarity there for their guy. I mean, they, you know, they, you're going to go at Brock. They're going to kind of show you. They're going to, you know, they're supporting their guy. So, you know, it's been a great ride. It's been a great ride. And there's a hunger and a determination in the around the Niners to get this thing done. Um. Look, okay, well, I want I want you to, if you can, Larry, go through the supers. Then we'll kind of talk about the NFL this weekend. Then I want to a little on the Shohei watch, and we'll talk about our favorite rumors and innuendo in just a second. But let's let's blow through the supers here, and then we will, of course, wrap up with the uh, Trent Balky Ralph Barbieri conversation that everyone is is just waiting for. Um. Okay. Let's see. Here we go. Um. The Kyle question. Okay. Here's another one. Elite Archer. So if Eddie D were still the owner, do you think Kyle would be safe? Guess the gold standard died in San Francisco media also. Um, I don't know what Elite Archer wants to have happen. I, <laughs> I mean, seriously, Eddie D was notoriously impatient. The 49ers, I mean, <clears throat> know your Niner history. That's what I would say. Elite Archer, you sound like you're 10. If you know your Niner history, you know that the Niners were a Super Bowl contender from 81 through 99. That's a lot of years. How many do they have? Five. They've got five. So they won in 81. They didn't win in 82. They lost the NFC Championship game in 83. They won in 84. The 85 Bears won. The 86 Giants won. The 87 Redskins won. But the Niners monster teams. You just you just rattled off three one and done Super Bowl teams that were awesome. Monsters. And the Niners were great all of those years and didn't right. win. And guess what? Walsh did not get fired. All right. Seifert right. did not get fired. 88, Niners win again under Walsh. 89, Niners Super win again under Seifert. 
90, they're in the NFC Championship game. Roger fumbles. Did they fire Seifert? No. Right. Then you run peak you Brett Favre for all those years. Right. 91. I think I think it was uh, Green Bay. Won in 91. Did the Niners fire their coach? No. In 92, the Niners were the best team in pro football. Steve Young won the MVP. They hosted the NFC Championship game at Candlestick. Dallas came in and beat them. Did the Niners fire their coach? No. 93, they played in that same game, but this time it was in Dallas. The Niners lost. Did they fire their head coach? No. No. You know, the Niners won again in 94. They beat the Chargers. That was their last Super Bowl. Um, and then 95, I mean, I think, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, Dallas won again. And the Niners lost, I think, to Green Bay that year. And it's like they didn't just every year, they don't just, you know, Eddie D. I know Eddie D had high standards. Eddie D did not fire Seifert and Walsh every time he was disappointed. So I don't know. The gold standard that you're talking about, go look up your Niner history. They were 14 and two, they were 13 and three, they were 15 and one. They lost to Minnesota one year. Um, and Anthony Carter went crazy. That I think was the Redskin year in '87. Niners were 15 and one or 14 and two in 1987, and they lost in the first round um, to the Minnesota Vikings and Jerry Burns and uh, Tommy Kramer and Anthony Carter. So I mean, it's just like well, you know what? Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Here's the thing: the gold standard of good ownership is not overreacting or panicking. Okay, I mean that's what really that's what that's what real ownership and leadership is. There are times. When you have to acknowledge, okay, maybe this group collectively has reached its full potential. It's time for a new voice in the room. And that's when you start making decisions. But you can't make that decision just based off the result of one game. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, had Jim Harbaugh won his Super Bowl, I think he's still on a short leash with 49ers ownership just because he was rubbing people the wrong way. I mean, would he have been around longer? Yes, but they were also reaching the end of the Jim Harbaugh era, I think no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. They the had players been- were getting tired of Harbaugh. Yeah. And by the way, that happened at Stanford. That happened at Stanford. They they were having the most amount of success Stanford football had had in decades under Jim Harbaugh and everybody associated in that athletic department couldn't fucking stand him. Andrew Luck Chief among them. <laughs> I, mean, well, I mean, the guys in the guys, the me won the national championship this year and Michigan probably, he probably leaves at the end of the year. Well, so, I, I mean, he's just, a, he's just a, di- he's just a prickly difficult right. guy. He's a great football that, coach. You're working but, on like an $11 million a year contract for him, which is, a, I mean, that's a monster number. Yeah. Um, so we'll see whatever we'll see, happens. We'll see. There. But I mean, it seems like there's an awful lot of NFL teams that feel like Harbaugh is going to be out there. I've heard him tied to the bears. I've heard him tied to Dallas, the Raiders, the Colts. Um, yeah, you know, there, there's there's a lot of people are going to be coming knocking at his door. Elite uh, Archer, look, Elite Archer, you're you're a, you're a good fan. You're on here an awful lot. You're very interactive. But the correct answer, as you look at the current 49ers as they're built, you shouldn't be looking to fire anyone. Like, are you forget about like knowing your history? Are you paying attention right now? Like right fucking now to the season that you're in. Are you looking at this season and evaluating it as if it doesn't end the way I want it to, someone has to get fired? This is spectacular football being played over the stretch of three or four years by this franchise. The only thing that they haven't done was bring home a Lombardi trophy. They've literally done everything else. So once again, I mean, you know, um, it takes no skill 
I, I myself with a sledgehammer can destroy your kitchen. I can't, I can't give you a new kitchen. You know, I can't make new cabinets. I can't put in new grout. I can't put in new flooring, new lighting, new fixtures. I can't do any of it. I can't do any of it. But if you give me a sledgehammer, I can go into your kitchen and I can destroy it. That should be the name of a show you do, Larry. It's the I Can Destroy Your Kitchen by Larry Kruger. I can destroy your kitchen, but I cannot build it up. So anybody can take a sledgehammer like you just did there, Elite Archer, and say, Kyle gone who's better that's the tricky part right we're gonna get i'd like everybody who suggests that kyle should be out needs to come forward with the next guy who's the higher yeah so you're getting rid of kyle okay i'm not gonna sit there i mean he's not my dad you know it's like it's not like i'm you know defending him to the death so we're not blood related okay you're gonna get rid of kyle okay and who's who's coming in I've heard people say in the last five years, Ken Dorsey, Ken Dorsey, really? Ken Dorsey just got fired in Buffalo. You really, you really as the OC. How Matt, good is Buffalo this he, year? He got scapegoated. He really did. Poor he Ken did. Dorsey. I mean, I like Ken. Ken's a good guy. He went to Emir uh, Mani and Arenda. He's a Bay Area guy. He's a good kid. Um, and he's a good coach and he'll get another job. But my point is this idea that, you know, Shanahan is just totally replaceable and that there's all kinds of dudes just, sitting around that are better that's fine could you name i don't know maybe one you know give me one name if you're gonna fire that guy i need to know one name that you're at least considering replacing him with right if you're if your answer is andy reed i'd say well you just traded away like 20 years of age so that's the wrong deal to make that's right you know, Let's I mean, get rid of kerr and go hire popovich <laughs> right <laughs> right you know it's like what uh you know come on i mean Anybody can destroy the kitchen. Hardly anybody can build it up. Anybody can say fire Kyle's ass. Nobody can sit there and say this guy would be better. And here's why a B C D E F, you know, tell me who's better. Uh, I'm not saying he's the greatest coach of all time. I don't believe that, but I don't think that he needs to be held to a standard of super bowl or his he's fired because um, I really believe that there'd be 10 coaches fired with the idea that maybe we can attract Kyle Shanahan and I would say huge package. And I'll just say this too. And this is something that fans just, you know, they, I don't know if they do or don't understand it, but they forget about it. Like you think you want to win a super bowl. Imagine being Kyle Shanahan with your age, like 15 years in the last five with your father, Lord, his shadow lording over you. Like he's a made man the day he wins. Yep. Right. And, and the, the, the pressure is real. He wants it so bad. This is his chosen life vocation. It's the Holy grail. It is. And only 18 living human beings have ever even touched that Holy grail as a head coach. Right. You know, it's, it's hard to do. Every element of this is hard to do. Like I read something that was, that almost pissed me off. I did a show about it, Larry, the, you know, pro football talk came out with its power rankings in the NFL after the 49er game and beat the Eagles. And they're like, if the 49ers stay healthy, they're going to win the Super Bowl easily. <laughs> no, they're not. No, no, they're not. There's no such thing as that was an easy Super Bowl win, except for maybe 55-10 Niners over Broncos. Like that's that, road, that was an easy game, but it wasn't an easy road. Right. It doesn't get easy. There are no easy Super Bowls. 
No. It doesn't. Now, no. if they stay healthy, here's the thing. I be, I agree with the first half of that. They should win the Super Bowl. If they stay healthy, they have as good of a chance to win a Super Bowl as anybody. And maybe if we're using you know statistics to make arguments, they might have a better chance than anybody to win a Super Bowl. But it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Hell no. I mean, and, and look at these teams that are going to be standing there in the in the winner's circle. If if they can get through the gauntlet of the NFC playoffs, get by Philly, get by Dallas, get by Detroit, whatever teams, uh, other team you want to throw in there. They're going to be on Super Bowl Sunday in Vegas, Kansas City, Baltimore, or Miami is probably going to be sitting there. And those are all going to be head knocker games. Right. I don't know if you've caught Miami in the last month. Miami's defense is starting to really play well, and their offense is explosive as hell. Baltimore's got Lamar on offense, a killer running game, and better weapons than they've had in years, and the number one defense. And Kansas City's got Mahomes and Reed, and we all know how difficult Mahomes and Reed have been. Right. Uh, when the Niners are by the way, carrying their team right now. And the number and another great defense with tons of speed and Chris Jones wreck shop so yeah i mean this none of this is going to be easy and that's why they have the parades that's why they make such a big deal of it geo kane uh why patrick mahomes isn't leading in all these areas since he don't need great players around him he's the god of quarterbacks he should be leading because you need these things called receivers and you saw that bomb up top to marquez valdez scantling that he dropped right you see you some sky more and you know, I mean, that's why I, I want to see the Niners grab Ertz. To me, um, Ertz would be a huge get for the Niners. Why? One, because Dwelly is probably going on the IR. He's definitely going to be out a while. He's got a high ankle sprain. And you prevent him going from a team that could hurt you. And he's a exactly. It's the block. I don't want to see Ertz in 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 um, you know in anywhere. I don't want to see him in Kansas City. Right. By the way, imagine that for a two tight end set: Zach Ertz and and Travis Kelsey out on right? patterns. Come on. I mean, you know, that would be incredible. What about Philly? I mean, Dallas Goddard broke his forearm. You think he's, you don't think Philly could use him? They could. Buffalo could use him. You know, do you realize how, how just different of a 49ers offense Kyle Shanahan could invent on the fly at the end of the year here? Like he could go straight up New England, Gronk, Aaron Gronkowski, double tight end threat of death coming at you up and down a football field, plus install you know, a wall for Christian McCaffrey to be running behind. It'll be great. The Niners had a two receiver tight end combo briefly in the 2020 season. Remember when they had Jordan Reed and he was healthy and they had Kittle and it looked amazing. It looked absolutely amazing. And they're, they're trying to recreate that. That's why they drafted Latou and Braden Willis, but Latou's on the IR. Willis hasn't broken through. Warner's more of a blocker. I mean, I want Ertz just because of a security security uh, deal in case you get a dinged up uh, Kittle in the playoffs. Kittle Kittle loves to run through people and over people and that leads to injuries. If you've got if Kittle goes down and you get to Super Bowl Sunday and you've got Charlie Warner. Now I like Charlie Warner. I just talked to him 2 days ago, but he's a blocker and he's right. and he's got one catch all year, I think. Um and Ross Dwelly is not um you know, he's a special teamer. So if you if you have Ertz sitting there, you now you've still got a receiving tight end who's a force. If you have insurance policy. Yeah, I mean the Niners could use that. And the two tight end set could be lethal. Absolutely lethal. Um Elite Archer comes back. I'm very well aware of my history. Eddie has his held his players and coaches accountable. 
he threw shit around the locker room. Well, I'm going to tell you, you, any owner who walks into an NFL locker room in 2023 and throws anything around other than compliments, they're not, they're going to lose a team. They're like the, the, the Eddie D throws shit around the locker room. Doesn't fly any more than Bob Knight threw that chair across the basketball court. It, it just doesn't work. It's the world's different. Yeah. And by the way, if Eddie D were such a great owner, why did he fumble the bag about as hard as humanly possible? And he was a great owner. Don't get me wrong. He was a great owner. He's the greatest he owner was. in the NFL. He, he was great. He was great. But, you know. I'm not going to hold the Edwin Edwards thing against him. Uh, he was pardoned for that. He's moved on. It was a mistake. Right. This guy's done so many incredible things. Jeff Fuller got partially paralyzed. He paid his bills for, like, the rest of his life. Uh, Eddie D literally has walked the walk. And... um as right. far as I'm concerned, he also lived in a world where you could spend a level of money. Like the, the rules were different. The world was different. The whole NFL was different. Right. Back then. Totally. You could, you could take the entire organization, wives and girlfriends included and say, Hey, we're going to go to Colorado Springs and stay in a resort and it's all going to be free. And it's all on me. You know what I mean? Now you're breaking like 19 rules of the cap. If you even try to do anything like that, if you probably bought every, uh, Every person in the organization's wife flowers. You'd probably draw some kind of salary cap penalty these days. Uh, Mike Baker says, longtime 49er fans know being in the mix is better than not. Yeah, I mean, you get, that's how you do it. I mean, that's how you that's how you win lots of rings. You got to be in the mix. You got to be in the mix. And the Niners are, the, you know, the, the great part about where they're at right now is Kyle's relatively young. Lynch is relatively young. Yeah. Birdie's 23. The Niners are have a have a real bright future. They're doing really well from the standpoint of they find guys on day two, day two and day three of the draft and after the draft that can help them, and they they compete for the top players in free agency. So they've got a roster that's star studded and deep. Right, and they and got that's Joan a great combo. Payroll. They got Joan in payroll, making sure that no one's embezzling twenty two million over the course of several years. So they're on that front too. Yeah. You see that story in Jacksonville, by the way? Yeah, about the guy who just was using some private accounts and had bought yeah. all kinds of property with Jaguar funds. Reminds me of uh, Office Space. Totally, totally. We got <laughs> Imagine it's the greatest movie of all of time, penny. by the way. A fraction of a penny is all it is. And they're just, you know, they're little pennies. And that sounds like stealing. You sound like you're stealing. Uh, maybe the best movie of all time. Um, Godfather, right. Goodfellas, Office Space. That's Office Space. Office Space. <laughs> Is that my red stapler? I swing, don't want to move to swing uh, yeah, stapler. We're gonna need you to come in on Saturday. Yeah, oh, Lumberg, Blubter, Lumberg. <laughs> I mean, just, just yeah, we're gonna need you to come in on Saturday. Yeah. He got M. Patel, two chicks at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you had a million dollars, what would you want? Two chicks at the same time. All right. <laughs> that was just one of the classic. You don't have enough flair. You know, Jennifer right. Anderson didn't have enough flair. But uh, we, I think the, under, the most underrated scene in that movie is when they're coming down from there. We just got away with stealing from the company party and they're all having their little drink fest. And the guy who is uh, uh, the, 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 you know, not, not going to be working here anymore. That guy, and then he comes out and he goes back up into ass with the resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, what, what, what was this? What was the, uh, the, um, was it a Coolio song when they were destroying the printer in the field? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Oh, oh, just God. Lost yeah, it was 
just awesome. The soundtrack in that movie is hysterical. It's fantastic. The, the, all every just. every bit of it works. It really does. What else have we got right. here from a uh, from a chat standpoint? Well, we're, we're, we're coming down to the end of it. We've got Brandon Green who says, "Krug, can we get a Trent Balky imitation?" Hey, wait a minute. That's my that's my job, and, and Larry does the Ralph, and I do the Trent. Come on. Really, you know, Larry. I, I, you know, I always felt like Damon was a little unfair, a little bit unfair. I always felt like Lowry was a little, a little fair. He asked some stupid questions in elevators, but he was a. I always felt he was fair. He was fair. More, you know, Damon would go at me kind of hard, kind of hard on the radio, and I didn't necessarily appreciate it. Ask those tough questions about Thanksgiving side dishes, which just left him perplexed. Again, my favorite Trent Balky story is I asked him what color shirt he was wearing. And then at the end of the interview, Bob Sargent texts me and says he's actually wearing a different color shirt than he admitted. <laughs> he couldn't be straight. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't be a straight shooter about the shirt. Oh, my God. My, my, my favorite, though, was when we're sitting there with Harbaugh and Balky, me and you, and that was it. And we're doing the post-draft breakdown of why did you like A.J. Jenkins? And Harbaugh clearly had never seen him play, had nothing to say at all. And then Trent bust out this long, self-serving tale about, a, you know, I wrote A.J. Jenkins' name in an envelope, and I put it in my top drawer. And I looked at my, at my top drawer today, and it's like, all this crap about some horrendous wide receiver that they overdrafted by 19 rounds. And, and he had this, and it was like, it was like he was stealing directly from the movie draft day too. He's like, you know, the old Avante Mac, no matter what, you know, that right. from uh, Kevin Costner who played Sonny Weaver, the GM of the Browns, he was pulling his Sonny Weaver. I wrote AJ Jenkins name down and, and I put it in an envelope and I just wanted to make sure but I looked, I opened it up and I looked at it and I said, that's our guy, Lowry. And the behind the scenes, <laughs> the, the behind the scenes that we learned after the fact is the player that Harbaugh wanted was Colin Kaepernick. And that's when and I believe the next that's right, pick, the next draft pick was Colin Kaepernick in the second round. And Jim Harbaugh basically the very next day said, Yeah, I wrote down a name in an envelope, and it was Colin Kaepernick. Like Harbaugh was furious that Balky went out on his own and did AJ Jenkins. And if we were really looking for the where did the fissure between Harbaugh and Balky really start, it might have been that show with us, Larry. Well, actually, you know what? My intel tells me, and I've got good intel on this one, that really what happened here was that Harbaugh, and this is honest truth, and I've got good sources on this, that Harbaugh wanted to squeeze the Niners for more money. The Niners had a vested interest because they liked McLuhan and then liked liked uh, uh, Trent Baalke. Of, they wanted to have Trent Baalke as the general manager. Harbaugh wanted Michael Lombardi to be the general manager. Harbaugh, through his agent, David Dunn, signed the deal, five-year deal. I think it was $5 million a year for Harbaugh. They have the press conference. The very next day, Harbaugh goes in and says, I don't want Trent Baalke. I want Michael Lombardi. And the word of that got back to Trent Baalke. And that's why those guys never, even though, I mean, think about the way they looked at that opening presser. They were happy, smiling. They almost never had that happy moment ever again because they, you know, Trent knew that Harbaugh shanked him. 
and he knew about it. And, and that's so, why he started shanking Harbaugh through the media, and he was the leak. Right. So it was like all of a sudden it was – you had all kinds of leaks. You had all kinds of dysfunction. And that's why when Jed hired Shanahan and Lynch, he allowed Shanahan to self-appoint his general manager because he wanted to make sure that the general manager and the head coach, which is the central relationship in any pro football organization, that everything was copacetic that they were on the same page, that they weren't trying to survive one another, that they were actually going to work together. And that's why there's such a bond between Shanahan and Lynch, because that's what Jed wanted, and that's what they represented, and that's what they've delivered. I mean, John has not turned on Kyle. Kyle has not turned on John. Uh, They're in lockstep. And boy, Larry, did they have a this-could-divide-the-house-united moment with everything we went through over Trey Lance, right? Sure. If either guy was going to start, excuse me, if either guy was going to start pulling the card of the other guy, it could have been in that moment with all of the discontent that was swirling around that moment. If either guy was going to break faith with the other, that might have been the moment that it happened and it didn't. And that's about as big of a pressure filled public drafting blunder as any NFL team will ever have. Truthfully, it really was. And the fact that the Niners then come on back and get Brock Purdy and are able to just sail through what would have been a catastrophic situation for just about any other team, GM, coach relationship. It's, it's again, it's, it's, it's part the, of it's the, the ultimate question too. It is the ultimate question. If Brock Purdy had not come about, what would, what would the standing be of the regime? You know what I'm saying? If you invested that much in Trey Lance yeah, and it didn't work out and you didn't have Brock Purdy to fall back on and you're literally starting a new Sands three draft choices or four draft choices. Oh, everything would be different. Uh, everything would be different. Everything, everything would be different. different. The good feeling, the, the universe, contract extensions or, uh, they just got. Different. It would all be different. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Bobo says, um, will the Levi's renovation make the it better? No, they're only going to, it's going to make luxury boxes for rich people better as a fan sitting in the 400 level. Oh yeah. They're putting it before the next Super Bowl comes around. They're doing a whole bunch of renovations, new scoreboard, all that sort of stuff for before they host the Super Bowl. What is your number? I mean, I don't even know if I want to go down this road, but what is your, I've got to ask because I personally, I remember me and Tanika Smothers, the great Tanika Smothers, who was uh, worked worked now works for the Athletic, but worked for Cambiar at the time. She was we're leaving the so many, so many uh, pre and post game shows. Great, great lady, I love her. She's a tremendous person. Me and her are leaving the final um, the final game, the Bowman game against mm-hmm. the Falcons at Candlestick. Final game. <laughs> We've done the post game. We're going down that that. Remember that two-story escalator yep. that went out to par- parking lot and gate E. Yep. Remember how that thing was monster. So we're going down the escalator and I hear her scream, this high bitch scream. Ah! I'm like, what, what? We look down the escalator. There's two raccoons running up the escalator. So, I mean, candlestick was literally, I mean, it was, I mean, I look at that. I think of that moment when I think of they needed a new house and I don't have I know the, the the new house is not is not uh, didn't didn't have a lot of warmth or memories or or 
feeling or whatever, but it's a bowl. It's a football bowl. I don't expect it to be like an intimate baseball stadium where it's got new, you know, all kinds of neat little things. I didn't expect a lot. I like Levi's. I, I don't love the, I don't love their, how to get in and how to get out as far as the media. It's goofball. I mean, it's, it's, it's totally doesn't work. They need a new traffic pattern outside of that. I like it. I like the stadium. I think it's clean. I like the press box. I think it's huge. Um, it's, all new, hold on, hold on. All it's new fine. Stadiums, it's, I, I all like new the stadium stadiums are clean. All new press boxes are huge. So like you don't even get credit for either. But I mean, I like I like the you know Cambiar a studio in there it was a nice little studio. The the TV studio downstairs is nice. The the media room that they have is fine. The the court. I'm there Wednesdays and Thursdays. They got that club level that I'll do videos at, kind of recapping practice. It's lush. It's nice. It's it's, uh, you know, I, I like Levi's. I, I really don't have a, a lot of complaints. It's not, I don't know, you know, I mean, I don't know what you're looking for. What is your number one complaint with Levi's? Because to me, if, if your number one complaint is, man, it sure is hot in the sun. Well, that's, come on. We're talking about Santa Clara in the fall. Right, but it's it's devoid of architectural interest. It is the least creative. It, it, it looks nothing like the, the stadiums that have come after it. I mean, look at SoFi. Look at what they did in Atlanta. SoFi is spectacular. Look at what they did in Seattle. Seattle still got a better stadium, and that thing opened years ago. Like, it, it, there's nothing about what makes it better. stadium. Well, what it makes it, it better. Just the it, look it, you're saying. It, the look, the way it captures, you see that football level stadium, the, the stands in the end zone there, and you know exactly where you are. It speaks of the city. To me, Levi Stadium feels like Facebook went out and built a stadium. It From the outside, it looks like it's still being built. I mean, I always got no, the feeling that your number one complaint is that it wasn't in San Francisco. Well, I don't like that either. But that's also a reality that, you know, I, I you got to give up. To me, the point is, if you're going to build something outside of San Francisco, it should have been such a remarkable, truly remarkable destination that, you you know, you you can't help but but say, well, you got to just keep on going back. Like, it sucks that they built it so far away from San Francisco, but this place is incredible. That is not the uh, review you get from anybody. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, I don't, I've never understood the the uh, discontent for the stadium it's clean it's nice it's they had candlestick the, i like the weather in santa clara better now i'm not sitting in the sun right you're not getting cooked i'm and not getting cooked the, how so. did the sun sneak up on them when they've been practicing down there for the better part of 25 years like but how do you avoid they sun they didn't <laughs> well you, you with shade Mary, with shade with some sort of you know look at look at what i'll tell you how you avoid the sun look at what they've done in Las Vegas, that's the dome. When you walk in it, you feel, but you feel like you're outside inside of that dome. You feel like you're still outside. It's the most really? naturally lit dome you're ever going to walk into. It's like you're outside still. And I don't know. I just, really? oh yeah. Oh, it, it you got now, SoFi, I think is legitimately badass. I mean, I SoFi looks incredible. Yet. I have not even been to, SoFi. I haven't been there either, but I just, based on what I've it seen of incredible. it, it looks incredible. Uh, I would say so five looks stadium. Minnesota stadium isn't dome stadium, but you feel like you're outdoors when you're in it. There's so much natural light. Would you want a dome? I don't want a dome. I would not be happy or happy. I like open air. I don't want a dome for my state. I wouldn't want not it. Northern either. California. I wouldn't want it either, but you still can provide shade like they did in Seattle. Yeah. Like there's yeah. coverage, uh, cover coverage over there. And if you're saying, well, you couldn't build it 
because of the airport. Well, then you built it in the wrong place again. And I get, you know, and the whole thing was it's supposed to be easier to get in and out of. It's not. It might even be harder than candlestick to get in and out of. So they didn't. No, it's not harder. Ingress, candlestick ingress, candlestick had water on three sides, and one and one route out to the to one hundred and one. This has multiple freeways rolling by. You got the eight eighty. You got the two thirty seven. You got man, it's still a pain in the ass, and the actual parking lot sucks. And I, I, look, I it doesn't matter. The football team when the football team is good, the stadium matters less. When the football team's bad, no one wants to go to that stadium. For the there were there was a decade, Larry, where it was the only bit of Bay Area real estate that was losing value. Had you had bought an original PSL in there over the first several seasons, you couldn't sell your ticket on the open market. You couldn't give it away. So, I don't know. I, I, I personally, I mean, different opinions. I, I like it. I like the stadium. It's, I think it's really nice. I look forward to going there. If you did, if you had to sit anywhere other than the press box, I don't think you'd feel that yeah, way. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. Especially in the sun in the in the late summer. Um, and I look at it sometimes, and I'm like, wow, the sun is setting in these people's eyes. Yeah. What are they seeing on the upper deck opposite from the? A lot of blur, a lot of yeah. Blur I, mean, blur. I mean, I just can't imagine that would be like seem like a major headache. All right, this is the super of supers. I'm old Greg. He says, guys, I got so drunk last night, broke up with my girlfriend, got in a fist fight with my best friend, and I pooped my pants. I'm not sure what to deal with first. Was that? <laughs> Wait, that was all of Philly Monday morning. LOL. <laughs> that is awesome. Nice. That is awesome. Very nice, Greg. Uh, the, Very the, nice. The imagery. The imagery. Very strong. Mike Baker was the story about Harbaugh. I, I, I love how I love how Eagles fans were like, "Oh, congratulations! You 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 won one game. It's your Super Bowl." Literally, I just watched you guys go dancing off the field at Arrowhead. Wasn't that just one game? Was that your Super Bowl? Come on. Last I checked, every game would be one game. Uh, Mike Baker says this was the story about Harbaugh treating players like college students. True. I heard he lost the locker room that way. Yeah. Harbaugh never took off his, I'm a disciplinarian intimidator cap. And that only goes so far with professionals. Well, I'll say this, the, who's got it better than us on the final, who's got it better than us after the eight and eight season. I happen to be in a position where I heard it and saw it kind of, I shouldn't have been in there. They got the security guard. I said, is, is the, is the uh, locker room open? He's like, yes, sir. So I walked in and there's a little corridor between the main corridor and the locker room. It's about maybe 30 feet wide or 30 feet long. So I'm standing there. And as I'm walking through this corridor, the door to the locker room is, or is open and Harbaugh still, still gathering the players around. He's still talking to them. So now I know, uh Oh, the guy let me in. I shouldn't be in here. I shouldn't be in here, but I knew he was going to wrap up in just a second. So I just stood there off, off, uh, you know, not, not right there in the room. So everybody could see me. I kind of backed up and, um, I heard the, who's got it better than us. And I heard the most unenthusiastic. Nobody, nobody. I was like that. It was really bad. So I don't know. Um, and yet, you know, I've talked to Alex Boone. I've talked to Dante Whitner. I've talked to Joe Staley. I've talked to many players through the years and they love Harbaugh and still maintain that he hadn't lost the room and they would know better than I would. But it just seemed on that day after the eight and eight campaign that I don't know. He Look, was I love Alex Boone, but Alex Boone will 
will change his story to serve whatever master he's talking to. I've heard okay. Alex Boone say, no, Harbaugh never lost the room. And I've also heard him say definitively, Jim Harbaugh wore out his welcome with everyone. So, yeah, I felt like I was witnessing guys who I think his act works best in college where you're a freshman, you're a sophomore, you're a junior, you're a senior, you're moving on. I think after four years, people are like, eh. you know, apparently nobody hated Jim Harbaugh more than Andrew Luck. Nobody. Really? Really? Nobody. To the point where when in the last season at the stick, when the Colts came roaring in there and Andrew Luck beat the Harbaugh Niners, apparently that is Andrew Luck's favorite professional win ever. Wow. Yeah. Yazarian. He says, who's got it better than we do? That's scary. He tried to he tried to remember who's got it better than us. And he, he did a, on the air. He's like, who's got it better than we do? We kept replaying that over and he over was, and over again. He, Gary was busy watching Real Housewives that night. <laughs> so that's it for the Supers. Um, we're, we're, we're coming down the stretch here All right, on so 49er let me, Wake Up. Let me, get, let me give you my favorite Shohei Otani rumor since we're all sitting here. I've had MLB Network on. The entire show waiting for the Otani rumor. We've got fans trying to track private airplanes. We've got people in Toronto looking at restaurant reservations. A lot of people think that the the clue to where Otani might be going is wrapped up in this restaurant reservation. Apparently, one of the best sushi places in Toronto has had a 50-person reservation made close to Rogers Center. A 50-person party has booked a reservation at the best sushi restaurant near Rogers Center in Toronto. Does that mean Shohei Otani is going to the Blue Jays, Larry? Yes, it does. I would say, I would I would think that um, uh, that he's going to L.A. or Toronto. Uh, so and I just already... don't think he's coming to the Giants. I, I, I would love it if he did. Uh, I don't think he's going to, and uh, there was a lot of talk. I mean, here's the one that clinched it for me, Damon, is that I read a story this week that Shohei made a trip to Dunedin, Florida, yeah, to go look at the Toronto Blue Jays' brand-new training facility. And if you know anything about Shohei, supposedly he is just a real, you know, he's really into, you know, what you would think, right? Playing baseball and training to play baseball. They've got a world-class brand new facility there in Dunedin. I'm sure they've been bragging about it. Uh, they flew him out and he checked it out. I mean, you're not, come on, you're not flying to Dunedin, Florida, um, you know, and, and visiting Dunedin, Florida, unless you're really, really serious. Inter you know, Ju uh, the Jays have an international fan base. It's an international market. Um, you know, I just, I just think, uh, you know, I mean, I, they supposedly Toronto, he met well, them. Toronto's a great city. It's a beautiful city. You're right. It's very international. It's very diverse. But let me tell you, the last thing Major League Baseball needs is to have the single greatest attraction that they can offer as a player go to the Toronto Blue Jays. You might as well stay in Anaheim. You're just as irrelevant. And look, I mean, look, the Toronto Blue Jays are a better franchise. They're well-run. They're very competitive. They're a good outfit. But the only time they appear on television with any interest is if they're playing the Yankees or the Red Sox. That's it. You know, the, 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 the Toronto Blue Jays have not once, not once captured the imagination of the continental United States. 
And um, to have him go up there would be a just a shame. It would really, really be a shame. I'm glad. I'm, I'm secretly. I'm glad because it'd be better than the Dodgers. Because if this guy is cranking home runs into McCovey Cove for the Dodgers for the next twelve years, that would be a skin yourself alive and throw yourself off the top of the Golden Gate Bridge level scenario for Giants fans. Yeah, no, it'd be bad. It'd be really bad. But I don't. I don't love this move for the Giants. One. You don't know if this guy's ever going to pitch again. You're going to pay him as a two-way player. He may not be a two-way player. Um, so at the end of the day, then what are you paying for? You're paying for a DH. Um, who do, You know, I mean, come on. I don't want to pay that kind of money for a DH. I just don't. I mean, I, I'd rather I'd rather Wait, take that, that money, money and spend it. I mean, that's well, the thing. I mean, like, he's, he's the, the nice thing. Without pitching. He can the nice thing be without pitching, Larry. That's how good he is. Yeah, he's he's a good hitter. He's a good hitter. There's no question. But um, I mean, when you really think about it, it's like I understand why the ownership is intrigued because it's like there probably is no dollar figure that's a bad deal to sign Shohei because he's an international superstar. He's tra- his you know he transcends. He's a draw. He would pack the house. But if the Giants have an awesome draw and don't win. I don't think the fans show up. If they don't have an awesome draw and they do win, I think the fans still do show up. I think even though we love stars here and they would love to have a recreate Barry Bonds or Tim Linscombe, and I kind of think of them, I think their pursuit of Shohei and, and Yamamoto is like, hey, they look at Shohei as Bonds and they look at Yamamoto as Linscombe. And I think they're really interested in both those guys. What I want is for the Giants to have an agreement in place with Shohei Otani and then their doctors flunk his physical and he can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think that, that you know, when you look at the money that you're going to, that he's going to command, I'd rather spread that money around. I'd much rather have, if you said to me, you can have Shohei for 600 million, or you could have Yamamoto, Cody Bellinger, Reese Hoskins, and another player. I'm taking Cody Bellinger, Reese Hoskins, Yamamoto. So I, I don't. Uh, I I I think the 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 Giants, you know, they're an iconic franchise. Uh, they're in a down spell right now. They don't have any star players, but um, I what think is going on. I think that they would be. Uh, I think I'd rather go with Bellinger and Reese Hoskins and Yamamoto. Cody Bellinger will instantly become your least favorite San Francisco giant of all time. That guy is going to be an overpaid misspend. I don't care how good of a defensive glove he is in center field. Cody Bellinger is a still soft hitting, light hitting center. His numbers in Chicago were more of an illusion than they were a he's back, everybody. Trust me. 304 in a league where like it seemed like everybody in the rest of the league was hitting 200. Right. But I mean, you want to talk a soft 304. His, 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 his average ball off the bat speed was not indicative of that batting average that he put up. He got a lot. It's of not just the batting ball. average. I mean, the guy also, fails. the guy also had good numbers. If you look at his stats, good numbers, at 26 the- home runs, 97 RBIs, 20 steals. Um, he, you know, he's, he's had 39 home runs, 25, 47. I mean, he's done it multiple years. I don't know. I mean, every one of these guys is a risk. But he's coming off a year this year where he hit 26 homers, drove in 97, stole 20, caught six times, hit 307, 356 on base. The one thing I don't like is I don't like the idea, 
I mean, he, he's born in Scottsdale where the Giants train. So that's going to be very comfortable for him. Um, I, I The thing about Cody Bellinger is that it's free agency. So you're always going to have to pay more and longer than you want to pay. And the one thing that worries me is the 12-year deal. I don't like the idea of signing him for 12 years. Yeah. I'd rather pay him, you know, instead of 12 years at 25, how about how about 28 for like, you know, six yeah. years? Right. No, yeah, years. That's way it's way too long to commit in a I'm not committing to a guy who's had in the last three years two bad years and one good year for the next 12 years. But the Giants are not, you know, when you're when you're in the free agent market, you're essentially a beggar. You're not you know, this is not a situation you've got to out. You've got to do something to attract these players. But I would say to me, what's really exciting is Yamamoto reminds me a lot of Lincecum. And I, I just think Yamamoto, I studied Yamamoto um, for a few hours about a couple of weeks ago and just went and watched everything I could find on Yamamoto. And he reminds me of Linscombe. He's got the big step forward. He's kind of diminutive, but he throws hard and he's got command and he's got, you know, three plus pitches. He's got a curveball that's very unique. Uh, he's got a splitter that's just dirty. He's got a 96 to 98 mile an hour fastball. He's just pumping it in there. Um, he's 25. And even if you went 10 years, you're talking about 25 to 35. So you're getting more of the prime years. I want Yamamoto and Otani. Get them both. There's the Charles Johnson family has more money to spend than they know what to do with. And there's no re look. Let's say the Giants win 107 games and nobody gives a shit. Because that just happened. Like they just went through that. They just saw that. This town reacts to you got to have a reason to lean forward. And Cody Bellinger is not going to be that reason. Uh, Shohei Otani, they should put down. Well, not alone, but I mean the Giants. Like, if, here's the problem: you sign Shohei tomorrow, you give him six hundred million dollars. Who's protecting him in the lineup? Why is he not breaking Barry Bonds's walk record? Okay, he is. here's the thing: so break Barry Bonds's walk record. That's good. That's that's an on base percentage that makes him one of the most dangerous at bats still in the league. Like, but who's uh, coming up next? Wilmer Flores, probably. Yeah, I mean, so that's not a good situation. I'd much rather take um, Shohei's money, which is going to be fat, and get Bellinger and Reese Hoskins. When you're being protected by money. Uh, Reese Hoskins wants to be a giant, Damon. He told, right. Dave, he told Dave Fleming that he loves San Francisco. He went to Jesuit High School in SAC. He went to uh, SAC State. He really has an interest in being in Northern California. To me, and maybe because I'm from here, that means a lot. And also... I like Reese Hoskins. He's a right-handed power hitter. Um, I, you know, he tore the ACL last year, but he's still a relatively young player. You put him at first. You got Bellinger in center, something like that. Maybe Yamamoto. You get Yamamoto and Webb, and you know, I'm, I, I really, I think Yamamoto is going to be the talk of baseball. I'm what I've kind of fear for the Giants is that they're going to miss on Yamamoto, and they're going to try to, you know, replace him with like. Lucas Giolito or something. Well, like right that. now we got uh, Steve Phillips on on uh, on high heat talking about how Yankees and Mets are going after Yamamoto. So yeah, but there's a lot of talk that Yamamoto wants to be on the West Coast. So if that's the truth, then the Giants, you know, obviously are going to be that team. There's also been a lot of talk 
that I mean, you heard Kruko. I don't know if you, Kruko said that if the Giants don't sign a monster free agent, that he'll quit. That he's like, I'm that confident they're going to sign a big name guy. So either they know that they're going to get Otani, or they know that they're going to pivot after not getting Otani and just drop a boatload of cash on one of these. I mean, who are the big name guys that he could be referring to if he's talking about a monster free agent? There's only a few of them, right? It's Bellinger, it's Yamamoto, it's um, it's Otani, um, what Blake Snell? I don't know who else would qualify. I'll say this though: if you said make you know wager on it, what would you wager they would do? My guess is, and I've, I'm kind of bummed by this because I just talked to Casey Schmidt two nights ago. Um, I think they're going Matt Chapman. I think I could see I could see Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Yamamoto. Look, they'd be. I, I think that's, that's it's not sexy. It's not selling a lot of tickets. It's not inspiring a wave of phone calls looking for season tickets. If that is the move, but they would be a better team. They still might be a third place team in their own division because the Diamondbacks are getting better. Diamondbacks just added. Uh, what Eduardo Rodriguez, the lefty yeah. from Detroit yeah. the other day. And they've uh, already got Zach Gallen. They've Gallen got and Merrill Kelly. Merrill I mean, Kelly. Yeah. I mean, Diamondbacks are better. The Diamondbacks, the Padres, and the Dodgers the all the are better than the Giants. Soto, right? But they got back a serious army of minor league arms. So expect that Padres minor league system to now be regarded as one of the best, which is going to give them the ability to maybe flip one of those players for the hitter that they need. You know, it stinks to that their whole, we're adding Soto for three, at least three years of postseason play. They only got one postseason out of him. And it was a postseason that saw Tatis suspended for PEDs. So like it was, it was a mess. The Padres, they didn't do that well. And they, they're on another manager now. It's the whole thing's a mess. The, the Giants' best move this offseason might be Soto's out of the division. <laughs> That's, the, Which they, is really a depressing way to look at it. I mean, yeah, no, they, <laughs> they, uh, they could be right there with the Colorado Rockies in terms of that's who you are in pecking order of the NL West. It is Dodgers first and foremost, followed by the, the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are just champions of the National League, followed by the San Diego Padres, even in the absence of Juan Soto. And now you're, you know, you're, you're playing who's last place with the Colorado Rockies. That could be the year that they're in for unless something massive happens. Well, they need it. They need it badly. Uh, the fans are losing patience. The, the attendance fell through the floorboards. They play a, they're getting ripped by guys who don't rip. You know, Tom Verducci ripping, Matt Viscursion ripping. These guys don't rip. They're it's ripping one thing you. to be called. It's one thing to be said. They, they just, you know, they're bringing way too many knives to a gunfight. It's another thing to say the way that they go about fighting is boring. And that's right. what those guys said. They're boring. Which is a, in, in a, in a, you know, that's like almost worse than being bad. I'd almost rather be bad than boring. Be bad with uh, the kids than be boring with vets. Yeah, I mean, they, 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 the Giants, I mean, I, I've got my own YouTube channel. I could come on any day I want any and talk about anything I want. And I've devoted the channel in the last year to Niner football because Niners offseason drives a bigger audience than than, than Niners offseason is bigger than Giants in-season. Think about oh, that. Look, for a Niners offseason might be bigger than Giants postseason, Larry, if we're being completely honest about it. Yeah. 
So if the I would love to see the Giants get exciting. Um, you and I will recreate Sports Phone 680 at six o'clock every night. Um, you know, and 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 take calls all day and all night if the Giants By the way, Larry, I'm recreating Sports Phone in a half an hour on the plus where it's a sports phone Friday and we're going to be taking we video don't. calls. Oh, video calls. Good video calls, video calls. Uh, you and Kevin have shown me how to do it and it's fun. And that's what we're going to be doing on Fridays is sports phone Fridays. Now on the Damon Bruce plus, please like, and subscribe. Please do Four four zero eight killer. Kill a shark once as I would rather stay at Levi stadium than FedEx field. LOL. Well, again, um, so you just compared Levi Stadium to, without a doubt, the worst stadium in football. So, yes. Really? I've I, never been to FedEx. Uh, James Foster says Bellinger was legit immediately, or g- legit immediately one of the worst hitters for a two-year stretch in L.A. I'm disgusted with all the Dodgers players Farhan brings in. Again, Bellinger had a little mm-hmm. bit of an illusion. What other Dodger players has he brought in? Am I missing something here? Who are the who are the Dodger players that the Giants have? I'm yeah, I don't. I'm not sure. Maybe I'm missing that. I can't really picture. I can't think of any. Um, can anybody anybody got a a Dodger player? Let me let me see. Is there a Dodger player that the Giants have? I can't think of who it is off the top of my head. Who's who's either. the ending Dodger? Uh, let's see. I'm looking at their roster. I don't see any Dodger player. Um, anybody, anybody? No, 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 no. Um, I would say no. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, don't, yeah. I don't see a Dodger player. brought in Bellinger, so he hasn't even brought him in. So he's brought in no Dodgers players. It's not the time (laughs) to be disgusted. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, and we got this one from I'm old Greg. The only chance of the Giants signing a power hitter is getting Barry out of retirement. Still better than the whole roster last season. There you I go. guarantee you Barry could have led the Giants in home runs last year. God. Just make Barry a DH. Why not? Why not? Why not? Seriously. You know, he'd be, he'd be more fun than watching some of the guys they put out there. Look at it this way. There'd be a lot more dignity for Barry Bonds having a bad year at DH than being in commercial breaks selling Diablo grills. <laughs> That's right. Get the get the grills. What, what did Barry pay for his? Probably nothing. He must be a part owner. That's got to be a friend of his, right? Jacques Peterson. There you go. Jacques Peterson is your former Dodger. Jacques Peterson. There you go. Jacques Peterson. I knew that had to be somebody. Had to be some- Maybe they'll go for uh, uh, who's the guy who had the uh, – uh, who's the the guy with the this guy with the sword? Remember, remember the the pitcher who got in trouble for his escapades in the bedroom. Oh, freaking! Uh, uh, we're forgetting his name now. Trevor uh, Bauer. Trevor, Trevor Bauer. Bauer. Yeah, no, it's not going to be. It's not. It's not going to be Bauer. I could Would see you? Trevor Bauer being being a giant. Uh, you know what? Get that guy here. You know, I could see Farhan saying, "Gonna love him." Fans will love him. Yeah, he's a reclamation project. Fans will dig him. He'll, he'll be he'll AJ be Pollock was a Dodger. They brought in AJ Pollock. I don't know if you can actually say they brought in AJ Pollock. He got no hits. Right. He AJ did not Pollock get one hit here in the Giants uniform. He didn't reach first base, Larry. He didn't Never. touch first base once. And this was coming from uh, you know during a, a a cycle where Farhan's like, hey, we're going to be very active. We're going to turn no stones going to go unturned. We are going to be absolutely in the mix for every major guy there is. AJ Pollock 
Thanks for coming. Um, okay, let's. We got this one. Oh, Stripling, there. There you go. Oh, and Alex Wood, James Foster, Jock Stripling, Alex Wood, and Pollock. I mean, so maybe more than we yeah. thought, but so there you again, go. I, by I way, stand corrected. I can't stand Jock Peterson. He's like my least favorite giant. It, it like this doughy, pudgy, not even interested in hitting home runs over a couple months when they need him to the most. And then, you know, super cocky year, for no reason. End of the year, he hits all these total garbage time home runs when you're totally out of it. It's just, ugh. yeah, I and saw he, him up close. I saw his act up close in spring training uh, when I was down there in the clubhouse. And it's just like he thinks he's really cool. Any man who gets slapped over a fantasy football situation in Cincinnati and doesn't go defcon again seriously throw a couple blows bud it's 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 why to this day I still you know have a problem with Chris Rock you cannot let a man slap you like that and not go full defcon 1 <laughs> you, you can't you can't you can't it doesn't even matter if you lose just start throwing hands look i really i mean that there's was weak. Other, there's not a lot of other men that I can say I love. Larry Kruger, I kind of love you. You've been an awful big part of my career. You've been a huge part of my pivot. You've helped me so much uh, coming to YouTube. If you slapped me, <laughs> I would come through this TV screen and wouldn't stop till I had gone through your family. I mean, what do you, just, you cannot get slapped by another man and just be like, all right. You just can't. You can't. Not. Yeah, not. No. I mean, it doesn't. It's not about win or lose at that point. It's just about. Come on. You just gotta. You just gotta. There are certain things we cannot tolerate, and me being slapped by another man is right at the top of that list. Well, I mean, you know, if 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 a if a true bad a, you know, went at you and he, all of his boys were there, and it was like if you fought back, you were just going to get pummeled. That's one situation. But if somebody actually you know, you know, comes and slaps you or whatever. I mean, just fight back. Just fight back. You have to. Again, I mean, I don't I tell my kids walk away, don't get involved, don't don't start fights, this and that. But defend yourself. You absolutely defend yourself at all times, without a doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Anyway. I think we've officially reached the end of the show here, Larry. It is great that we're doing 49ers wake up now twice a week. It's the, it's the show that this city deserves. It's the show that the city never got. And now we bring it to them. It's, it's, it's the gift that we give Ralph. What do you think? Well, you know, <laughs> I was telling Tom and I told Tate, I even told Krug, he's cute. He always gets so angry about the Giants. But I said to him, you know, Chance real. Chance a real guy. He's real. He's, he comes on with me. Sometimes I, I told Chance, let's go to Amici's. Let's go to Amici's and we'll get the crust. I like it a little bit more burnt. I told I told Chance, if we're going to share a pie at Amici's, we got to go to Amici's and we got we to gotta get a little burnt, a little burnt. And I love the lemon pepper wings. You got to get the lemon pepper wings, Chance. I get them atomic. Tommy likes them mild. Sometimes people get them a little hotter than they should. Always get, get I always go atomic because atomic leaves a little spice. I like a little spice. I always told that to Tate. I can't, believe, I can't believe that you ordered the wings. I thought you were a vegetarian. By the way, I like a well-done pie myself. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I am a vegetarian. I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a vegetarian. I was the salutarian of my high school class, but I am a vegetarian. <laughs> and, and, I, and all the terrians that there are, I, I've always been them. And, and I look at you as a meat eater. Is that true? Are you really a meat eater? <laughs> That's... Good night, Irene. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Peace, everybody. Have a great Friday. Check Damon out on the uh, on the call in show. I will be joined in ten minutes on the Krug show by Chase Senior. We'll talk more about the Niners and the Hawks. Have a great Friday, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. For Damon, I'm Larry. Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, wait a second. Oh, what out. <laughs> Rough take happened? two. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.